Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 271 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we kick off our 2023 PCA Trade Show pregame series as we welcome back the executive director of the PCA, Mr. Scott Pierce. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is a perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celez carries a blend of Cuyolo, Olor, and Peloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance, a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Be sure to ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuador in Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sungrown, and a dark oil Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Minso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Cavalier Geneva. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold and stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneva Cigars. That's Geneva, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as given high ratings by the cigar industry press. Again, you'll want to follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, stay gold. And by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic, Blackened Cigars MEV1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew, the all-Maduro Blackened Cigars MEV1 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebration and times of reflection. You can find them at your local Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 271. Today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Cigar Studios here on the Black Stage. Uh, Aaron Loomis will be joining us a little later in the show. 
But uh, we're going to get right into things tonight. Uh, we're kicking off our four shows leading up to the uh, Premium Cigar Association trade show for 2023. And as we've done for the past two years, um, we're really uh, honored to have this guest in tonight. Um, he's kicked it off for us. Um, he is the ex- not only the executive director, but I'm going to say he is maybe the greatest executive director we've had uh, in the history of PCA and its predecessor organizations. And I mean that sincerely. He's the one and only Scott Pierce. Scott, welcome to primetime. Hey, thank you. That's uh, quite an introduction. I appreciate the very kind words. Uh, how are you doing? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I was hoping we could, like, I was actually going to say to you, hey, can we do, maybe we could do this in DC this year, but then you were in Nashville. Uh, so um, yeah. I know you're doing this tonight. We do appreciate you doing this uh, for us, by the way. Um, I love coming on the show, so I appreciate you having me. Yeah, just kind of worked out. I'm in Nashville doing some uh, all the, the the political stuff that uh, everyone expects us to do. So we just just wrapped up dinner with four members of Congress, um, and uh, I'm actually at Casa de Monte Cristo here in Nashville. So uh, a few of them are going to be coming by a little bit later on with a handful of other folks to, to have, enjoy some cigars, and we're going to discuss some issues and some other things here too. So uh, it's a good time. No, and like I said, we do appreciate it. I actually last year did get to go to that uh, shop for the first time. It's right in the heart of downtown Nashville. Uh, yeah, cool I, I, little area. Really cool shop. Some great staff there as well. Uh, in honor of you being on the show in Nashville, I'm going to actually be smoking uh, a Crown Heads Le Petitier. This is the original Lonsdale, which oh, was the, nice. one of the first PCA exclusive cigars, So, which eventually yeah. became a regular line for them. And actually, they have a, yeah. another PCA exclusive out of the line this year. So I think that would be suitable to smoke this. I, I had one of these left. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to light it up tonight. So, Oh, that's awesome. I'll bet that's really good. Yeah, I uh, I love that initial release they had. And Wes being so nice and, and helping us out here while we're here in Nashville, because he's next door um, in the room doing it. He uh, handed me a couple of their blood medicine, their, their uh, event-only cigars that I've loved. And so that's what I'm in the midst of doing right now. Sorry, my camera. No, it's okay. Off, oh, we got it. The blood medicine. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we we were thinking alike here. I mean, I think it was a, a natural choice here uh, to do yeah. that. But um, but yeah, Scott. First of all, great to have you on board. And you know, um, here's how I want to start this off. Right, I want to go back to last year's trade show, and there was there was a moment you you were probably so busy you might not remember this moment. Right, I had actually gotten into the Venetian on Friday. Right, and I'm walking down that big hall, and all of a sudden I see this line. Okay, yeah, that looks like. Yeah the days when I'd wait outside for concert tickets and it was the line to get into the Fuente, the Fuente seminar, Fuente Friday seminar. Yeah. You're coming down the other way. So I'm taking pictures of it one way. You're coming the other way, taking pictures of this. And I think we, 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 we exchanged a qu- couple of quick words, but Scott, at that moment, I saw the smile on your face, right? I thought that was an absolutely great moment for this trade show. I've been going to it longer than you have. And I don't, I'm not just trying to say that, but I've seen so much go on. I had never seen a moment like that going into that trade show. So you had to be extremely happy last year. I was. And, and it really what made me happy is just the fact that people were really excited to go in and see, um, you know, and, and really hats off to Jose Blanco for spearheading that and Carlito for stepping up to do that and, and what they did there. Because um, really it was all them and people were there yeah. and super excited to see them really interesting unique thing that there's this cigar that he blended specifically for that session for folks but just seeing the excitement for people being back at the show after you know 2021 was a little bit of a a weird year to be honest yeah, with you yeah. we, you know coming back right we, we, it's kind of a half in half out sort of a 
hybrid type of, of trade show and not having a normal one in 2020. Uh, so for me, I was just so happy to see everybody else so happy to be there and, and, and doing what everybody loves to do, which is, you know, being able to connect with people like Carlito and get to have that type of experience of smoking a, a unique cigar like that. So that was that was really awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no. And you had to, you had to be then, you know, on day two, you have this Fuente Padron unveiling. And again, you yeah. ha- there was a crowd around a booth. Like, I've never... The only one I've seen come close to that... Obviously, Guy Fieri came close to that this year and David Ortiz. But this one was, like, another incredible moment. Um, it was actually a great moment. I-, I couldn't get over there, right? So I interviewed Rocky Patel. That was, like, a-, a pretty good consolation. But I was actually able to get his time because everyone was over there uh, for that unveiling. So it was another great moment you guys had this year. Yeah, you know, it was it was what I really liked about it. And it's funny because... It, it was fun to see people, really well-known people in the industry, like a Pete Johnson, still fanboying out over these icons of the industry, right? Yeah. And it, and it was great because some of them were even frustrated with me being like, man, I couldn't hear you. You should have done something. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. I get it, right? But that was, I mean, I think that there were so many interesting things last year. Um, and what's really interesting about the, the, the Fuente and the Padron thing is just the mere fact that, you know, it's icons of the industry doing something unique and special in the, within the industry. I don't mean to take anything away, obviously, of course, from, from what Guy Fieri is doing and, and really sure. kind of helping promote that. But I think there's a little bit of a difference between you know, the, the celebrity, you know, uh, p- the way people approach wanting to meet celebrities versus the excitement of these these two icons, again, in the industry doing something that's kind of unique and special. So that was a really, really, uh, um, I think, pinnacle kind of moment, I think, yeah. at the show last year. Yeah, no, I think it was. Um, and, you know, I can get into the whole Guy Fieri thing. It's like I, I didn't really know much about him before I got a chance to meet him. And, uh, you know, I was just mesmerized by how he and I interviewed him recently. And this guy's really into our industry. He's a really good person to have on board with the industry. So uh, he I was, really is. Yeah, it was funny. He um, I felt bad, but he kind of I just you know said hi in passing. And, and Eric was like, hey, come here. I want to introduce you. And people obviously in line and, you know, he's signing everything else. And he kind of holds up the line and pulls me aside. And he, he just starts talking to me. And like I said, I felt bad because people have been waiting to talk to him. But. He was all in. He's like, listen, like this needs to go mainstream. He was talking about everybody that was there for the NBA weekend and everything else, how they need to be there. And, and, and he does. He wears a shirt everywhere. He does everything as far as like promoting it. So he is. He's all in. He loves the industry. He loves cigars. Uh, so he's, he's a great partner in terms of that. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, Scott, all in all, I think last year, very most of us felt very positive, uh, very positive as far as the trade show goes. Was there anything that you came out of that trade show saying hey, we can do a little better or you know, something that you maybe want to change, a lesson learned or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're always uh, – that's the first thing we always do is yep. we immediately uh, dive in and say, okay, what what are some of the areas? Because what's fresh on our mind, I think one of the big things is enhancing kind of how we do that Friday. A lot of people were there excitement leading into the show. So we did change some things in terms of that, but also ensuring that the layout of that Friday session is better. People can hear better and, and things like that. So we've changed that. So you'll see that uh, a big difference this year in terms of how we approach Friday. We've moved the annual meeting now from a Saturday morning breakfast session to that Friday afternoon. Yes, I saw that. So, so instead of having a keynote on a Saturday morning, when quite frankly, people probably a little hungover, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and so it's going to be kind of on that Friday, we've got, you know, um, bringing back sort of a keynote. Um, and and uh, we went a little bit of a different direction this year. 
focusing on a little bit more of the entertainment capacity, but still somebody you can learn from in Oz Perlman, right? He, he does um, a lot of interesting things as far as the mentalist and tricks and entertainment, but he's really good at being able to explain how you read people and how human interaction. And that's really great for sales techniques. But so that's one of the big changes. And then also just kind of taking a look at how um, we kind of want to change some of the elements during the show to maximize people's time on the show floor, as well as, again, a lot of the reasons, you know, if we have people there all together, being able to uh, capitalize on things like state associations, how we can map out kind of what we're looking at for legislative sessions and getting those groups of people together in those states is very, very beneficial. Yeah, no, uh, I I uh, I agree. I liked I liked the changes I saw to the schedule for Friday. I thought it was uh, excellent. I think the content is, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, is very good. So you know, to have some some of these blending seminars, having industry people doing them, I think yeah. is really really good. I think you know, I'm assuming that's based on the success of Fuente Friday last year. It absolutely is, you know, and, and people reached out and, and wanted to do that. And, and actually, you know, I, I really couldn't think of anybody better than Michael Herklotz to say, hey, let's, what kind of content? You know, we, we talked early, early on, maybe just even a few weeks after the, the trade show last year, to people like Ernie Carrillo and to Nestor Placencia. And we saw them and coordinated with them actually in Dortmund when we were there for Intertobac. Um, and it kind of started, that's where this was all kind of put together. So this is put together eight months ago, uh, leading up to it. Michael, obviously being very good at being able to lead that conversation. And it kind of comes down to, you know, being, having access to those folks while you're at the trade show and being able to learn in that capacity and have those conversations with them is one of the most unique things we have at the trade show. So we want to find ways to maximize that for the retailers, because that's one of the great values you get out of coming to the show. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought it was very unique that um, how you kind of put this together. You have uh, Ernesto coming from the Dominican Republic. It's Christian Oroa from Honduras and Nesta Placencia from Nicaragua. So you got you got three people representing the main the three main cigar uh, countries in the world, like leaders in these countries as well, you know, in, in terms of yeah. cigar making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of one of the things we wanted to focus on is is not only those that are making them in the country, but those that really blending, know the farms, know the whole entire process of the seed and how the terroir, just so that they can really, they're going to dive into some really interesting topics that I can't wait to listen to. And that's another reason why I'm like, hey, Michael, this is all yours. I'm going to be in the audience because I want to listen. I want to listen to them talking about differences yeah. between, you know, the rappers and how they're going to be approaching it, differences of country and timing and everything else and innovation and where they see that going. And so um, we wanted to make sure that the three main tobacco producing countries were represented there by companies that are in fact producing tobacco and blending. Sure. No, totally, totally understand that. Um, and I think, like I said, I think people really, uh, you know, guys like me, we, we, we've gotten a chance to interview these guys and all, but, uh, you know, when you get not only those people in front of, I think when you get these people in front of the attendees, it's a big deal. It really is. Cause a lot of people don't, you know, and even if they see them on a zoom call or something, it's not the same as actually being there in person. And I think people yeah. are really excited to go see this. I know retailers who've never met any of these guys before who are very excited about that. And the chance to sit there and talk to them or ask them the questions, yeah. right? And it's, it's great. Because, yeah. uh, you know, look, I mean, there's a, a, a lot of a lot of cigars that are out there that are, in fact, using placentia tobacco, even though you may not necessarily know yeah. it. And so it's really going to be – that's, for me, what I found fascinating is like, hey, we got a chance to listen to, you know, them talking about the production of their tobacco and, and, and what that means and 
And so I think that that's actually going to be something that hopefully sparks a lot of retail interest and kind of, again, we want to further that passion that's in there. And I think a lot of retailers have that passion when you're able to kind of continue to fuel it with things like this, I think is yep. one of the main directives of having a, a trade show like this. Absolutely. And then not to be, um, this is something I thought that I'm excited about and it may be getting a little overshadowed just because of the three names, but I think the key one, another blending seminar is Gano one, which I'm really excited about this year. Uh, just because of yeah. the nature of those cigars, so I think that's going to be another treat for folks. It really is, and and I've I've had the great opportunity of being able to do this a couple of times with them because they, you know, being an Italian company, they really kind of helped us. We worked hand in hand with them of doing this big Italian event. So we've launched this diplomatic cigar corps, which has been really key for us in helping us pull some different levers politically. Because I don't think people understand is that embassies can oftentimes impact legislation as well. You know, when we had the Build Back Better plan with a lot of like the taxes, yep. we had the Dominican Republic ambassador call members of Congress that she knows to be able to say, hey, look, this is going to decimate jobs in my country. And so uh, being able to kind of and, and Italy is a very big trading partner with the U.S. And so um, we set up this great evening at the Italian embassy. They did the pairing there. But really, it's a it's, a, it's such a unique uh, tasting tobacco because of the Kentucky seed, the fire curing of it and the way that they put this together. They're really interesting and different types of cigars. So I just thought that this would be a great one. They're great partners. Um, and so I don't think they're going to quite have the time to do some of the pairings they wanted because it's a it's a 45 minute or so seminar. But I think it's going to be a great learning process for folks to, to, to learn about different ways yeah. tobacco is cured and aged. Yeah, very different than what we've seen here. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I've even said to Michael Capolini, I said, if I go to Italy, is there any shot I can go see this factory? Because I really want to see how it's done. So... Yeah. Uh, if that ha if I get to Italy, he said there's a possibility. So I hope, but at least I'll get a chance to see a little bit and hear a lot more about that um, here. So I'm very excited. Again, another exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's and they kind of explained it about how they build like these little almost like um, not tunnels, but like these big sort of things in the ground where the barns where they lit the light it on fire and how they fire cure everything and. Yeah. So it's a fascinating process. And once you understand that, Michael's great. If you have time to sit there and talk to him, he did this, this pairing where we did a Godfather cocktail and he went through and smoking a cigar and even blowing the smoke into the drink and covering it up. So that way, when you taste it, the Desaronio or the, the liqueur takes on a, a very different flavor. So it, it's actually really fascinating. So if you have the time and you're at the show, go by the Siscano booth. And Michael is, is, is very, very good at, at going through that and doing those types of pairings and talking about the tobacco in the process. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of really, really interesting nuance to what they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we usually have gone like Toscano. We try to get there at the end of like one of the days so we yep. can, you know, um, where it's a little less crowded <laughs> because they, they, that's always a very people don't realize that's a very busy booth. Right. So, um, yeah. And we've learned so much about that too. So the uh, folks there and uh, you know, I should have figured, I knew Jay was talking to me about some of the stuff going on with the Italian embassy. So I should have put two and two together with that. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 They were, they were, they were slammed last year. They were really happy. They did the happy hour. They're doing the happy hour again as well. So, um, yeah, so uh, they're they're great. They're they're yeah. um, they're all in, and you know we got a chance. They they flew in their CEO yeah. and, and a couple others from corporate for this big uh, week that we had for Italy, and um, they're super excited about the U.S. market. And they're all in. Yep, yep. No, that's 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 great to hear. And then the third thing I wanted to mention is, um, and I haven't heard much about what this is going to be, but 
I guess there's some sort of new hand roll docu series that we're going to be hearing about. Um, I yeah. haven't gotten much info from Pete yet on that, but uh, is there anything you can so, share what, what we can look forward to on that? Yeah, I don't know how involved Pete is, to be honest with you. And quite frankly, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I, you know, I've been kind of been waiting myself on getting some information from them, too. Um, all I can tell you is it's the same gentleman. So Jesse mm-hmm. and uh, who, who did handhold with Pete, they are now doing um, kind of a series of different episodes about the industry. And so the first one that they filmed was down at the Newman's 125th anniversary. So I happened to be down there. They filmed me. I'm, I don't know how much I even added to it or for any at all. I don't know if I'll make it into the final cut, which doesn't concern me because obviously they were, you know, all about, you know, Drew and the Newmans and, and the factory and the importance of that factory. But um, they that first episode, which I think is about, you know, 35, 45 minutes long, they wanted to debut it. And so, um, you know, I said, hey, let's let's get together. And so when um, we did, we said, hey, look, this this would be the kind of the right time frame. Why don't we kick everything off with this? you know, sort of the debut of this. And so um, I don't know exactly what their plans are. It might be an opportunity to ask them a few questions about that, but I do know that they plan on doing, I don't know, maybe eight, 10, 12 different types of episodes about different aspects of the industry, different people and companies within the industry. Um, and again, what I love about that is, is that again, kind of going back to Guy's whole statement about making cigar smoking go more mainstream. Um, this is one of those great ways in which that can happen. People can get to understand the 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 unique nature the, you know the the craftsmanship that goes into this and also quite frankly the the people behind these companies that make it a special incident it's very very different than than um, what people expect and that helps us you know obviously when we're doing the advocacy work is to be able to point to something like this and so I mean we did we we did a premier candle at our townhouse and we had a bunch of folks from Capitol Hill come and a bunch of others and so it's all very useful for us too. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Um, and you know, like you that hand rolled the original documentary. I remember when we saw kind of a rough cut of it at the IPCPR back then in 2018, and it really I think it was so even though it was a rough cut, everyone came out saying, "Wow, this is really cool that someone did this for the industry." There. Um, so I thought it was a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, people. Yeah, that place was packed. I think that it was great. It was a really proud moment, I think, for for Pete, because Pete put a lot of uh, time and energy and resources into doing that. And it's been great. I mean, you know, like I said, we've we've showed it at least that one time. but We've also, you know, referenced it and used it in other aspects. And it's really good to showcase the industry in that light. Oh, completely. We are on the Cigar Coop homepage on the sidebar. We have a permanent link to the YouTube version of that. Uh, just because, again, if people, you know, if, if someone asks, hey, where do I find it? We just say, hey, go to Coop page and just click on it. And it's 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 just so it's easy to find and they don't have to go search for it on YouTube. So we will have that up for as long as the site's up and that video's up uh, because I think it is a very good educational tool. Uh, and I think, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. And I enjoy watching it and referencing it back to, from time to time as well. So I'm really excited. Like this is that first day we as a team made the plans to get in uh, earlier in the week because we want to, you know, see, we want to make sure we cover some of these good things um, and see some of these things. I think it's very, very exciting what you're going to have. So um, I, I'm, like I said, I think there's a lot of and I, people I'm talking to. Uh, a lot of people look forward to these things. So I think this is a great start to the trade show we're going to have this year. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad that people are excited about it because we we definitely put a lot of, like I said, 
almost immediately after the trade show last year, we really started to kind of saying, Hey, look, learn some good lessons here. How do we make it better? Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad people are noticing. Yeah. I, I really hope it lives up to some expectations. Yep. Yep. You know, again, I kind of started this off, you know, I think you guys have been on an upswing. Uh, if we went back almost three years ago, Scott, uh, you had to cancel the trade show because of COVID the big four were out. And then a couple months later, you had to furlough yourself out of a job for a while. So, um, I mean, that's a, that's rough. And three years later now, you, you, you guys have really uh, been climbing back. Like you said, 2021 and a very unusual show you had to put together quick. Um, I think this year, Scott, you're going to have um, definitely higher expectations, which, which I think is a good thing to have. Uh, you know, it's always a sign of performance when, the, when you can have higher expectations. But I think that's going to be a good thing. Uh, but there's a big, but big thing, a few big things at first. Uh, and this has got to be great news. I, I think it's great news. I know for, for the way I look at it, uh, the return of uh, STG. Um, and the return of Altidus. This is uh, this is nice for this year, Scott. It is. It, it really is. Yeah. So you know, Forged is back. You know, STG under Forged yep. is back. Uh, you know, obviously the the um, acquisition of Alec Bradley, I think, kind of helps for that. Altidus coming back, um, and AJ Fernandez too. Hoya um, de Nicaragua is there uh, yep. along, uh, along with Drew State International. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of positive that that's there. Um, you know, I've had continuous contact and conversations with with uh, those three companies um, ever since 2020. I mean, it's yeah. never not not existed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's good. And, and I think that there's a lot of stuff that you just talked about in terms of our momentum. Um, you know, we, we work, have worked very closely with them, particularly as it relates to all of the different types of things, whether it's flavor bands a lot of the state tax caps that we've been able to pass this year um, fighting of things like local authority in states and, and winning um, and fighting all of and being victorious in all of the taxes tax in, proposed tax increases I should say that we've been able to defeat and so I think that you know um, I think a lot of the issues that kind of surrounded you know why there was some fissures and things like that have uh, mostly been mended at this point you know and, and we've made some changes obviously um, ourselves and I think that um, we're all kind of starting to move in the same direction and it's uh, it's actually really exciting there's a lot of big things planned uh for the ensuing years that i think is going to be really good for the industry yeah no i think this is good too um you know i was watching before this show drew estate does their freestyle live show um yeah, they had one on yeah. at seven tonight and they had hoya to nicaragua as a uh, a part of the show um, and, and it was there was no hiding. Quite a, you know, they talked about Hoya de Nicaragua coming back to the show. And, you know, um, while they didn't say anything about what their future is yet, they, you know, it wasn't like they just it was acknowledged. And I thought that was very transparent and a good thing to acknowledge. that. And they seemed very genuinely happy that Hoya was going to be going for them. And I, I thought it was a very good sign when I saw that tonight. Yeah, absolutely. They were they were excited. They reached out again. Like I said, I had a lot of conversations with them. Um, you know, last year they they. They reached out uh, pretty close to the trade show and we thought they might consider it, but then I said, ah, I don't think the timing or anything works out. Um, but, you know, they, they reached out fairly early on this year in the process. And so it was, it was good. I know that they're excited to be back and, and it'll, it'll be great to have them, you know, yep. and, and it always, it, you know, and, and I understand all the various aspects of different opinions and perspectives, but look, we're, we are stronger as an industry when everyone's together. Uh, we know that. And yep. I've made that comment before based upon my experiences in other industries as well, is that we are stronger when we are together. And, and I think that we've kind of shown that in the ways in which we've approached like I just talked about the, the work that we've been doing over the past couple of years. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually incredibly optimistic and enthusiastic about the, the future and what it, what it holds for us. 
Yeah, and, and I've talked to both companies, and they seem genuinely enthusiastic as well. I know Ford was a little more public how they announced it, and uh, Alta has chosen to a different group, but I talked to Raphael, and I can tell you he's – very excited. So uh, I think all in all, it's a, you know, th there's positive energy coming in for sure with both of these things. So uh, this is a great job. And, uh, you know, um, I, like I said, having these companies, I know people may, may have their opinions on these companies, but I, like you said, it's better for the industry. It's stronger as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you know, there's so many people that have very, very deep and long relationships uh, outside of, of company, you know, decisions or corporate decisions or, or politics or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think that a lot of that excitement is being able to come back and see so many friends um, that quite frankly, so many people consider family. And, you know, Raphael is, is, is very much like that. Such a big hearted guy. Yeah. I know he's excited to see people. He's always excited. Um, you know, whenever I've seen him at other places and things like that. So it's going to be great to see them. It's going to be great to have the forged family there as well. Yep. Um, and, and the, again, the Hoya family back as well. Yep. So, I, it really is going to be good to just, you know, start this process of, of kind of being able to come back together again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and I think uh, on the other side of the coin, um, you know, those are big four, but uh, this year there is a very unique concept, at least for PCA coming in. Uh, and it's on, on, with the smaller companies of uh, the boutique cigar association pavilion. Um, talk a little about how that came about, Scott. Yeah, so this is uh, something we had kind of talked about uh, previously before um, and, and talked about different types of pavilions and other things that we'd want to do, drawing upon experiences from other industries and other right. shows that we've been a part of um, as staff and, and other things. But, you know, um, you know, Gabby Caffey and Armin from, from BCA had kind of reached out to us and we started this conversation and, and you know, really was ultimately a way for us to find a solution that was going to be because, I mean, look, there's a lot of it. I'll call them, I'm not going to call them hidden costs, but there's a lot of things that it takes in order to come to the show, not only to get the space from PCA, that's just the first part. Um, but then, you know, how, how do you get the booth set up? How do you get stuff in there? And quite frankly, when you're shipping stuff and it's, you know, you got drayage costs and you have setup costs and all these other things that can be onerous. It can be, you know, cavernous for, for a lot of these different types of companies. And ultimately they turn around, they're like, my God, I just spent two, three X what I was at, what I had budgeted. And so it really kind of came down, hey, let's work with this. Let's work with the show decorator to come up with a solution where we can put all of you together. It's not going to look like, you know, standard 10 by 10. It's a little bit of a smaller space, but you're all together in, in a way that makes sense as your association. And, and uh, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, to Gabby and to Armin because they were um, adamant that they wanted something like this to happen because they um, are really, really supportive of the association, really, really supportive of wanting to be able to do their part for the, the work that we're doing and supporting the industry. So, um, um, you know, it, it, we got more people involved than we had uh, originally anticipated. So I think it's, it's going to be a really, um, and it's really kind of fun because it's in the back there. So you've got, you know, you got Altidish, you've got AJ, you've got La Aurora and some of these other large ones that are right there. And then you've got the Boutique Cigar Association. So I think that what that really, I, I love like the symbolism of that, just because you've got some of these great companies, storied companies, and then you got these new guys that are there. And for me, that demonstrates, you know, the great aspects of this industry. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we talked about the, the sort of the theme this year, blending tradition and trend. And that's really kind of what the whole trade show is about, is that there's the mainstays, there's the tradition of the cigar industry that we all know and love. But at the same time, we all know that people ask what's new and, and what's coming out. And people like to understand and people want to know about what's coming out from companies, how are, how are we innovating, what are companies doing that's new and different. And so uh, that's, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see that come to fruition. 
No, uh, and I apologize. It, I hope that the I hope the smooth jazz too loud. No, no, it's not bad at all. Um, it, we okay, hear it, great. but it's not. Uh, we've had wor- We've had a lot worse. That's not. You're, you're fine. So no apology. Like I said, Scott's. Uh, we really do appreciate you making the time here. So um, we are not uh, gonna be picky, but it's fine. It actually isn't. Um, I'm enjoying the music. So uh, good, now good. With, with that pavilion, it's not like anyone. They have to be a BCA member to get into the pavilion, right? Correct. Okay, well, and that yeah, was so we worked it out to where it we basically just kind of did a a, a a flat fee for them, right? Uh-huh. So it's their membership plus participation in the trade show, and what they're getting, like I said, it's not a standard ten by ten booth, but what they're getting is a fixture to where it's going to be able to be branded for them, and they're going to be able to showcase their brands and have places to to sit and then also to meet with people as well. Okay, so it's we've saw something similar, I think, at TPE. They have their pavilion. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. look, it's the same show decorator, TPE, you know, hired Shepard a couple of years ago, I think. And so, I mean, it, you know, similar concept. They said, hey, yeah, we've, we have multiple different, you know, solutions. We've done this before. So it, it, for those of you that have been at TPE and seen this, it's going to feel very familiar. There's similar things at, at Intertobac and other things, too. So mm-hmm. it should it should seem very familiar for folks if they've seen it before. Yeah, I was also just thinking of the Sutliff booth, which is a also they have kind of a, a key kind of a similar I don't want to say kiosk, but but they have some, but they're all distributed by the same company. Is the difference that they yeah. have, and they have yeah. the, the 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 carrot is the pipe tobacco that's in there too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So not too dissimilar. So yeah, um, that, that, that that's actually um, apropos just for the mere fact of uh, we were like, hey, look, we we were able to use this space on the show floor, and each brand kind of has their own little thing. And so sell up, I think. Um, uh, so that way people know the brands that are in the solo booth that we're going to be kind of doing that as well so that people can find those brands on the show floor. Sometimes oh. it gets lost because it's solo and they don't understand. So it's kind of cool that we're saying, hey, we can maybe take that and just do a couple little different things uh, for, for that so people know where to find brands. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you about that because I had a couple of problems finding, yeah. like I didn't know certain people were at the show last year. Um, so, and then, you know, others I knew because I called them, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's a great idea to do that too. Cause, uh, that, I think that boost has been talking to the companies who've been part of what Sutliff's doing. They really like that setup. Um, they, they really, they like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great because that way it's, it's, uh, it's easy for folks. I mean, for a lot of folks, if you're, I mean, that's why I think six, seven, eight, maybe different companies there, you get kind of a good one-stop shop and you get a lot done just stopping at one booth. So it's, it's nice. Yep. No, I, I think that's good too. Um, and uh, is this, is the, what is though the, the relationship with the BCA? Does, does it go beyond them just coming to the trade show now? Have you kind of at them? Uh, I know you're kind of wanting them placed at the table for a long time. Is, is, is there more that will happen with the BCA besides the trade show now that they're a part of it? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, we're stronger when, when we're all together. And I absolutely think that, you know, we're going to continue dialogues with them uh, the same way we continue and coordinate with, you know, groups like CRA and CAA. In the very, very, in the very same uh, facet, we'll go ahead and continue to com- communicate and coordinate with BCA. You know, last year, Ryan from our staff went and visited their event. Um, and I, I anticipate that we're going to continue. I don't see any reason for us not to. I, I hope Gabby and Armin and, and the rest of their board will um, will continue to want to have us and, and coordinate with us. And we're, we're already talking about doing some some other initiatives um, with the BCA, coordinating with us for some like Capitol Hill business and things like that, too. Right. So I, I do I do foresee us actually going deeper in terms of our participation with them just outside of the sphere of the trade show. Okay, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, we are joined by Aaron Loomis uh, here. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. 
No, all good, Aaron. I hope everything's all right on your end. So yep. uh, that's good. Um, and um, yeah, we're, we're getting into we, I, Aaron. You can see I highlighted some stuff in the notes yep. that we covered. So uh, perfect. So, yeah, we'll get you into that. Um, so I'm going to come back to number four actually because I wanted to have you. But uh, so in terms of the 2023 show, um. What is the status, Scott, of the PCA exclusives? Because this year, like, so let me just set the table that I thought last year, by the way, start off with the PCA exclusives. I thought that PCA lounge area you had and the displays, great job. Great job with that, by the way. I thought that was fantastic. Well, yeah. Thank you. All kudos to, to Lisa Cox and to Shepard for all of that. That was all of them. They're, they're, they're fantastic. So yeah. that's coming back again this year. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think they did a great job. It, it was a good place to get off my feet for a little bit too. I can just tell you that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but this year, I'll be honest, Scott, it seems like the PCA exclusives have slowed down. So where are we with the PCA exclusive program this year? Yeah. So this has been something that's been really interesting and, and that, uh, you know, we have, try to take a look at, at, particularly from a board perspective, because it really kind of, you, you know, you're smoking the PTCA. This was really kind of something that was more grassroots from these companies that wanted to do something to inject a little bit more energy back into the trade show. And so, um, you know, on the one hand, we've seen some smaller companies that are coming out. Um, and so we still have, I think, 15 or so uh, exclusives. One of the interesting things we've found is we'll reach out to some manufacturers and they're like, yes, we're doing one. We just don't have all the information quite yet. <laughs> and so we, we, we do what we can to get that information. But, you know, it's, you know, it's, we got Fuente coming out with the eye of the bowl. We got Rocky continuing to do his. Pete continues to do his. You know, La Polina, they, they up their uh, Prominente this year to 500 boxes. And, and so, plus, uh, you know, a handful of, of smaller companies and some of the, um, not, although not part of the Boutique Cigar Association, but some of the boutique lines that are coming out with it. That said, it is something that we want to take to a new level to where it's going to be a little bit more of a uh, programmatic thing, not just companies kind of doing it. And so, um, you know, we're planning on being able to offer you know, to any, any uh, company that wants it to offer a secondary band that says, you know, premium PCA on it. So that, right. that way it can start being a little bit more branded and a little bit more uniform as far as that's concerned. So I think that you'll probably see a little bit of an evolution here over the next year or two. 2024, probably a little difficult just because we have an eight month turnaround. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do anticipate that after 24, we'll probably start to see a little bit more um, of, a, of a normalized program about the exclusives. Right, right. And that was my question is because I see this is what I've seen with the program last year is some companies, hey, they, they leveraged what you guys did. Right. They wanted to take advantage of PCA promoting this. Um, you, you were in they were in the showcase area. But then there were a bunch of companies that still said, hey, we're only going to sell this at the trade show. But they technically weren't a part of the program. Yeah, yeah. And, and that that's kind of why we want to be able to get a little bit more of our arms wrapped around this. Uh, I don't want to say we want to get control of it, but I mean, kind of effectively we do because we're, we're sort of, you know, it, it, we're, we're at the mercy of them being able to get us that information and trying to understand what their plans are. And if we're not, a, if, if we don't have a, a specific program or programmatic way of doing it, then the, the companies, it's very easy for them to just kind of be off on, on their own doing things. And then we're not really, you know, attuned to that. And so that's what, that's the aspect that we want to change is to make sure that there is an actual process of quote unquote going to market with the PCA exclusive and having it have that PCA band on there and being a part of what you get only as an attendee at the trade show and or however that how whatever avenue that that goes right. into as well in terms of the purpose of this right the purpose of this is to dangle a carrot to have a reason to go to the trade show is that really what the intent of this is 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. the manufacturers, when they did this, they said, you know, because, you know, again, the deals are a thing of the past, you know, and, and yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I've got some opinions on that with the change of the dates of the trade show. But I think that this was one of those things for them to say, hey, look, we can do some products, you know, and, and people are always asking for what's new, what's special, what's something that's unique that I might not have had before. And that if you have a competitive advantage, they say, hey, I'm coming to the trade show. And, you know, we have all of you, you all as media that are there that are covering those types of pro, uh, products that the consumer is like, hey, look, I want these. And therefore, it would incentivize the retailers to be able to go get these products to help boost that interest in what's on their shelves. Yeah, but, but I guess it's a little bit of a chicken and eggs thing, right? So because if they're not told about this early enough, some who are on the fence, that may not make them go over the fence is what I'm saying. And I guess yeah. this criticism of the PCA, I think it's more manufacturers. Like, I think these things need to be announced, but it's going to have to be like next year, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's why I think that on our end, I think we want to um, get a, a straight line, you know, program schedule and everything else in there. Here's the criteria, so on and so forth. Um, and I mean, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. I think we just can kind of simply adopt things and make it a little bit more codified. And I think that that's where you see the program get better in terms of yep. that. So that way, the promotion of it um, and and um, and an understanding of what the program is, I think, can get a lot better. Right. What's been some of the feedback from the manufacturers? Like, uh, do they feel, I mean, I guess, obviously, Gopaline is one example of a company that's continuing to invest it, but is, do you feel it's something that's growing with the manufacturers? Yeah, I think that, you know, it was. it's really interesting because, you know, uh, Padron did it the one year and, and was talking to one of our board members in Georgia. was like, man, he said, I underestimated, like, how, um, how much interest there would be on these. And he said, you know, I think we've really got something here. So then he turned around and did it again in 2022. I think that's, you know, Fuente now coming and doing it again this year. Yeah. I think that there are ways in which we can do this to where it doesn't become overkill and it doesn't sort of lose its luster. And, and I think that's why it's important for us to not only be able to do it in a way that, that gets the, the information out and people to understand more about what these are, uh, but also to be able to do it in a way that doesn't become overkill. Because, you know, I've heard from manufacturers before where they're like, man, sometimes we get too um, beholden to some of these limited editions that we do in some of these regards, and they don't want to get away from core lines. So I think that there's a way in which we can do it that makes it so that it's not burdensome on manufacturers, but beneficial overall. Yeah, some of the media guys, some of our reaction is, and again, I don't think this is a reflection on PCA per se, but a lot of people said, well, it's really, a lot of people thought the manufacturer was checking a box, and yeah, they're releasing something exclusive, but it wasn't as exciting. Is How much does the PCA put in terms of telling the manufacturers this qualifies to be a PCA-exclusive cigar? Yeah, right now, the only thing we've done is to say, in order for it to be exclusive means that you are not going to um, sell this outside the trade show. Okay. Um, and so that's, that was kind of it for now. Uh, and, you know, again, going through sort of the boom and the demand and some of the back orders and some of the other things, I think now that we're kind of getting over that hill and everything else and kind of getting a little bit more normalized with production schedules, I think that it's going to be uh, better timing for us to be able to go through and say, here's the actual criteria, here's the process we're going to go through, and here's how the PC exclusives will be rolled out. And if, you know, again, we can't get information a week before the trade show. We need to be able to get this information at yeah. the time, and here's yeah. how it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly on that. Um, yeah. So, so and in terms of that area, that PCA, that lounge is going to be used again, kind of to showcase some of these things this year? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Smoker Friendly is, is sponsoring the lounge on, on hold this year. And so they'll kind of have their area where they can meet, but everything else is the same. We'll still do the happy hours that are going to be there. So Illusion's doing the first happy hour. Toscana will do the second. Bovida will do the third. So Saturday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, we'll have a happy hours going on there again. Um, and so the lounge will look pretty much the same. Um, maybe a couple little bit differences in terms of the displays and how that works. But for the most part, people uh, really enjoyed it and it was you know successful for us. And so we're going to, you know, if, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But we right. can probably tweak some things and make it a little bit better. Right. But Scott, that's an investment on your end too, right? Because that's space that obviously you're not selling. So, I mean, there's an investment you right. guys are putting into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. And it costs yeah. us money to obviously we put the stuff down in the furniture and everything yeah. else too. But, um, but uh, we, but with the happy hours, I, you know, it, it's good because yeah. it, it's also a centralized location. And one of the things we look at obviously is the flow of traffic during the show. And that's a great thing because people will flow there. People were taking lunches there. People were coming and milling about. And so, um, as you said, a lot of people would come in there and sit down if they needed a break. So it's a really great area for people. And it really did. I, we saw a, a better kind of more interesting flow of traffic last year. And the, the, the booths that were around it actually were really happy. Yeah. And then when you have the happy hour, you know, like I said, you have people in there, too. I mean, it was a great, it was a great place to leverage. You don't get them off the show floor to do that. It's right on the show floor. Exactly. Exactly. And that's prime directive from our manufacturers, right? Keep, keep the retailers on the show floor. And, and quite frankly, for, you know, supplying them with a little bit of alcohol so that they feel. Oh, I never heard those guys place it to place some big orders. And then, uh, the, the, the better off for the manufacturers. Right. right. So Scott, the show, the, we're not moving the show time back to 10 anymore. It's going to be an 11 o'clock start now again this year. Yeah, exact same schedule. So kicks yeah. off the show floor opens at eleven, but early entry at ten for media and for okay. those state of play folks. All right, we're, we're media us media guys like the ten o'clock start, but we understand you have to go what the people want, right? So uh, no, that's that. We're keeping it the same. Keep it the uh, same. Okay. So you 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 all still get the ten a.m. entry. So yeah, no, and and uh, by the way, it, we talk about this. There's a long history with this, Scott, as you know, like. For years, we were trying to get the entry, and, and I think for years, we got it, and then we so they, no one ever would tell security about it, right? So we get there, and we'd be done with entry, right? So since you've been there, this has improved enormously. Well, good. I'm and, glad. And, and I, and I got to just make a comment, because this has helped. This helped, I know, the Coop folks this year immensely being in there early, especially certain manufacturers we were able to get appointment times with who are very hard to get once everyone's on the show floor so it was a huge i i, I think i speak for it was a huge help having this so thank you on that yeah oh. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. i'm glad glad it's working out and we, yeah. we're continuing it again this year yeah well, that's good that's good yeah uh we didn't talk about this opening night party uh yeah. what's what's so what can you tell us about this year's opening night party yeah, so this is uh, going to be an interesting one. So, um, you know, Espinosa is spearheading it, but, you know, it's going to be an Espinosa, Dunbarton Tobacco, Room 101, and Quality Importers uh, event. So you're going to have the four different brands that are a part of this uh, in order to put the, the, the opening party on. And, you know, Erica did it, uh, done it a couple of years ago, wanted to come back and do it again this year. Um, and so it's going to be a, a fun event. You know, it's going to be pretty similar to last year, but I know that, that uh, different products that people can come and enjoy. Um, you know, I think that, you know, plus with quality there, I think there's going to be some other interesting things that they're going to offer, uh, which is great because, you know, again, we all have cigars, but you know, how are we going to light them? Uh, so that's always a good thing. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. You know, we're going to have, you know, again, uh, the, the music from the DJ, we're going to have the food and drinks and just a way for people to get together again, 
And so we're going to go right from that sort of opening entertainment keynote type of thing. And then just a little bit of downtime while we set up uh, what I talked about earlier, right? We want to make sure that the seminars are in a space that people can enjoy and hear. Yeah. So we're kind of leveraging the, the construction of that stage. And then basically we're going to turn it over into the opening party. So it's going to be uh, interesting. So people can still mill about up in front and finish cigars while we're kind of basically setting up kind of behind the curtain for lack of a better wow. term, because it really is a, it really is a curtain. And then that will come down and then people can just go in and, and then enter in and, and uh, go hang out and eat, drink and smoke and have a good time. So, yeah, just to clarify, like everything will be taking place on the convention's floor spot you have uh, as, as opposed to like years ago, you'd be in, in breakout rooms. So now it's everything is on the floor is what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, yeah, really similar to last year with Hall C. Um, it, that's where everything is. And so we right. that way so you don't have to so we can smoke and do everything. Yep. Uh, but but in order for us to kind of create the type of space for learning and education that we wanted to. We wanted to combine it with the, what we would normally do for like the annual meeting stage or the big stage. So we're, it's just a little bit of a change in the setup. And so we'll, people will have to leave so we can actually set it up for the party with like a dance floor and some other things. Uh, but really, ultimately, that's to maximize the, the usage of the space for when we're doing the education and then being able to turn it around for yeah. the opening party. And then we'll turn it around for the, the, the morning education stuff that we're doing on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's great. Uh, I mean, I'm just envisioning Steve Saka hosting all these people and how grumpy he'll get. You know, that's, <laughs> so what, what yeah. But that is a that, look, that's a big deal, Scott. I have Saka there and Espinosa and that Espinosa team there, uh, yeah. as well as the other uh, booths. And, and you know, you have an, an accessory. That's a, this is a, that's a nice bunch for nice four nice companies to have hosting your opening party there this year. Yeah, it really is. And and I like it because it's it's um you know, four companies you may not necessarily think that would, you know, do something like this, right? Right. And what I really like about this and, and one of the ways in which we've tried to sort of pivot and, and do some of our, our sponsorships are ways in which our retailers can experience the companies, right? Now the promotional stuff is great and especially, you know, seeing advertisements and stuff, that's more traditional and we get that within everything with magazines or the big advertisements and the banners and LEDs and, and that's all still important and good. But there's a lot of manufacturers, and Eric talks about this a lot, about how a retailer being able to smoke the cigar, because, I mean, look, retailers get hundreds of cigars while they're there. They can't possibly smoke all of them in order to make buying decisions. Your palate gets burned out. And quite frankly, yeah. I think some manufacturers probably would prefer that you don't smoke the cigar yeah. until you go home, right? But this is an opportunity for them to have a captive audience in, in an environment that's that's all geared towards the retailer, feeling good and having a good time. And so I think that they're going to, um, you know, you're going to get a chance to get great cigars, um, a great accessory and, and have a good time. So I think it's it's it, it's a great way to have, like I said, some of these companies you may not necessarily think of doing something like this as a marquee sponsor. So. And Room 101 is representing Ford's essentially at this, right? Um, in or a way, it, it, is room, it is Room 101. It's not Ford's. It is Room 101. So okay. Okay. So, but but is it Room 101, the cigar brand, or Room 101, the overall brand, I guess I'm looking at? Uh, room 101, the, the, the cigar brand. So, so, Scott, that's still another good statement um, that they're, they're, they're sponsoring this this year. Uh, mm -hmm. For people said, oh, they're just taking over the Alec Bradley boots. I think this shows a, I think this shows some commitment here. I, I think this is a good job there on that. Yeah, it absolutely. It's it's additional. It's not um, it, it's not a forged thing. Yeah. It's it's very specific to the brand that's in there. So I think it showcases a little bit about 
um, you know, the way Forged is and probably plans on working with their brands. Um, you know, when 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 uh, Eric called me and, and said, hey, you know, Matt Booth and Room 101 are in for this, I I was like, man, that's that's actually pretty cool. Like, this is really interesting to see. And so, yeah, I think that it's um, um it does showcase a um kind of a maybe a renewed commitment in that regard. Mm. But at yeah. the same time, I just it's it's just cool because you've got um three really interesting cigar brands uh, for obvious you know similar but different reasons. Yeah. Um, that are going to be there. And then obviously again, quality with the, with the good um, accessories being able to come in and, and add that side and element to it as well. Yeah. Is Guy Fieri, you know, is he going to be a part of this? Th- that um, I would very much hesitate to say. Um, I, mm-hmm. I do think or believe that Eric has mentioned that guy possibly is going to be there because he doesn't understand necessarily his schedule. So, so much at this point, right. but I, 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 I believe guy is going to be at the show at some point. I don't know if it's going to be at the party or not mm-hmm. uh, possibly, uh, but I, I do believe that, um, th- that he was planning on it, whether or not yeah. his schedule still allows that. I don't know, but I do know that it, I have been told that there was plans for him to attend again. That's good. And you have, uh, there was some news that came out. Um, Last week, Charles Chaz Palmateri is going to be at the trade show. I think that's another great uh, celebrity that one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, yeah, The Bronx Tale. I love that movie. Um, Chaz was actually and also one of my other favorite movies called Pool Hall Junkies, actually filmed in Salt Lake City. Um, But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait, and I uh, look forward to trying that cigar. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Scott, yeah, I don't know if you, I'm going to divert one second off the cigar talk. I guess there's a big rumor that the Coyotes may be going to your old stomping grounds in Salt Lake City. I have said for years that Salt Lake should should get the hockey team. So I yeah. hope Patrick <laughs> Mahomes doesn't lure them to Kansas City and they go to Salt Lake. Oh, no. They'll be there on opening night. I, I was figuring that. Maybe they'll play the Capitals and you'll luck out with that, right? So, uh, so yeah. Hey, they got to play them twice a year. So, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's good. Look, I, had I was a, a kid and I went to the Golden Eagles game when they were the Golden Eagles. I went, you know, they're, you know, the Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies and everything. So, yeah, I would love it if Salt Lake got a pro hockey team. All I want to say is, I my son went to Salt Lake City uh, over the past year, and he said it's not like the Mormon town you think it is anymore. Is what he told me. He said uh, it's, it's no. not quite. No, he said it's very. He said it's also very. His word was is blue. Is what he said to me. Like he was very surprised when he went out there. Yeah, I said that for years, and even when I, you know, I, I haven't lived there in what twenty five years, something yep. like that. Um, and um, people don't even realize it even back then yeah. is that Salt Lake City itself, even when I was there, was only about 30 percent Mormon. It was really uh, outside yeah. of that. And, and yeah, it's, and it's even less than that now. And, and even as, as Salt Lake has grown between basically Ogden in the north, which is just north of Salt Lake, down to even Provo or DYU, is that whole corridor has exploded. Um, and just so much, many people moving in everything yeah. else. It's it's nothing like you would expect. Now, if you yeah. want to go to like Springville, Utah, that's what you would probably think that you're going to. Right, it's right. Not like that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he went out there for some na- I see nature, but he had to fly into Salt Lake City. So he <laughs> said oh, he was yeah. telling it. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, especially if he goes down to like Cedar City, Moab. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's yeah. Nothing. Yeah. No, it's they're not at all. Yeah. So. Exactly. All right. I got one more question on the 2023 show, and then uh, I want to talk about some of the changes for next year. Um, the after hours piece. I think this is a piece that you guys have been trying to work on structuring some more things after hours. Uh, this year, you kind of put a new program in place. Uh, what is the what is that program? What's the purpose of it? And uh, what can folks expect with that? Yeah, awesome. Thank you for asking, because this is new. 
Um, last year, we, we kind of tried to do something in this regard where we basically just said, hey, we've got this agreement with Marquee. Um, and again, it was kind of this little interesting mishmash. And the promoters over there didn't coordinate with the manager that we were working with. So we have a company now called Fuse Experiences. And we've worked with them. And basically, they're, they're folks that have about like 20 some odd years each of them uh, being in Vegas as promoters and doing other things with clubs and other places. And they started this program and they did it for the shot show, the big gun show that goes on in Vegas. They did it for the car wash show, which is a massive show. And they did it with another home builders association. And so effectively they, they secure the venues and they get us and everybody who's coming in, you get access, you don't have to pay cover fees. Uh, and then we get our, you know, your own way to get in. Um, and you can, you know, spend and get like you know the uh, open bar packages and things like that but you don't have to you can just get the entry in but also what we wanted to do is say hey look our, our folks really like smoking cigars obviously and they knew that and they came to us and said we, we can probably secure a couple of places so we looked at our schedule and we just said hey look saturday night sunday night if we had a way to have a couple of cigar networking events and so they said yeah absolutely so um so every night so friday night saturday night, sunday night and monday night you can, there's club events starting at 1030 and goes on until the next morning. Right. But on Saturday and Sunday, we have from eight to 10, which is a cigar networking event. Um, people are signing up like crazy right now. I mean, you know, oh, really? free okay. to sign up. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, we were, we're closing out on, on 300. It might be 300 now. I checked it okay. this morning um, that have already signed up. And so basically um, once they've got the numbers, then they're going to secure it and finalize the, those details. But there will be two events where it will be smoking. One of the places we've talked about, which I really hope comes to fruition, is the uh, Chateau, which I think is over Paris, but it's open air. And you basically overlook the fountains at Bellagio right okay. there across the street. So where we'd be allowed to smoke and everything else. And then you go right from that, if you wanted to, right into the the, the, the club, uh, if you wanted to continue to do that. Um, it's $1.99 for all four nights if you want like the bar packages to come with it. Um, and even for those, if you just went Saturday and Sunday, you know, one ninety nine for two or for four hours of open bar, um, is well worth it in Las Vegas. And when they said that that was the number, I was like, man, that's pretty cheap. And so yeah. just let everybody know it is an open bar package. If you want some top shelf stuff, obviously that will be an additional cost. But I mean, then for basic alcohol in Las Vegas for, for four hours on an open bar package, one ninety nine is a pretty good deal. So that's pretty unique. Cause I don't, you know, obviously people they're they love their bar luca i mean that's kind of the war but this is a different option if they want something more like like a vegas experience so, so i didn't realize that 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 was what this was all about there yeah yeah so uh yeah i mean in tau i um the the uh, pool club at the venetian is one of them i think that we're going to be there as well so you know i mean it's it's close and so you don't have to worry too much about that yeah. Um, so yeah, really cool. And, you know, we've had a couple of, of cigar folks we've talked to that they may end up sponsoring it. So you might be able just to go there and, you know, get cigars from a sponsor or something like that too. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening with that. But, um, yeah, so I think it, it's, a, it's, again, for us, it's like, you know, there's only so much space in Bar Luca. It gets overcrowded. Yeah. And, you know, when we're, when we're talking about five to 6,000 people that come to this event, you know, to be able to have a couple more places, away from the show floor where people can get together. Um, it was really important for us because again, when you have this many people, this is really the only time the industry all comes together. So to yeah. be able to have other venues for folks to, to be able to do something like this, uh, we thought could really enhance the, the, the total experience for people. So this may be a, an unfair question, but you can tell me. So, you know, one thing I think the appeal of Bar Luca is that people feel they can get FaceTime with industry people. Are industry people maybe going to participate in this program? It's venues is there, is there something with that maybe where they're going to participate and uh, maybe it brings people i'm just curious on that 
Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I think that you know, um, to, I'll answer that in two parts. I think one part is is it's kind of like you know, ladies' night. You know, the, it's free, so that way the guys are going to come and spend the money. I right. think the retailers are kind of like the ladies in the sense, right? If there's a lot of retailers there, the manufacturers are going to want to go. Um, but I will tell you that we actually have a pretty good mix of folks that have signed up for these already because when they sign up, it's you know, same as campus registration. I see if they're associates or yep. suppliers and stuff. And so uh, there, you know, quite a few exhibitors are signing up already. Um, distributors are signing up. We've seen some, you know, some media folks sign up and we've seen a lot of retailers sign up. So I anticipate a really good mix. And I think that if a lot of retailers um, are signed up, which I would imagine we probably, as we get closer to the date, we'll probably have close to, I would, I, I can't imagine we'd have less than six or 700 signed up. Wow. Wow. I think I think I think manufacturers will, now again it's free to sign up so that doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to show up. They're all going to show right would, right. Yeah, but I I do anticipate the manufacturers um you know it, it may not be the principals but I would anticipate that you know sales reps and others are going to want to go yeah. because if retailers are there they're going to want to be where the retailers are. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, yeah, I didn't think of that part. Yeah. All right. Uh Aaron, any questions on the 2023 show you want to hit before we kind of get into next year? No, go ahead and go to the okay. next year. All right, Scott, how are you on time? Do you have time for this last section? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. I know. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't even know what time it is, so we're good. Okay, we're at the top <laughs> of the hour. That's why. All right. So, Scott, the, the, I guess the other big thing, and I guess this is something you have to consider an accomplishment because it's been asked for. Uh, this is, it, for all practical purposes, this is probably the last trade show we are going to see um, in the summer, at least for the foreseeable yes. future. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and possibly the last one we're going to see at the Venetian for some time as well. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, we were at the, the board meeting in February and it was funny because uh, I was telling, talking to Alan Rubin and uh, I've probably told you the story. So I apologize for anybody who's hearing it for three hundredth time. But, you know, my first day on the job, I flew down to, to go to the TAA meeting. And when I was on the bus, I got on the shuttle bus to go down to the, the, the hotel there. And I got on there and it was Alan Rubin, Krishna Aurora, and Tom Mazuka. And the first thing that Alan Rubin said to me was, you got to move the date to the trade show, man. And uh, so I said, all right. Well, I said, I'll take a look. And I said, you know, makes sense. So first opportunity I get, I'll do it. And so now when I had started, they, you know, they had just signed the five-year contract with Venetian. So when I saw Alan, I said, hey, I told you the first chance I got to do it. And he kind of pumped his chest. And then, uh, you know, a few days later, they announced the sale. So it was kind of like, thank you for changing it. Yeah, and Alan. Right <laughs> the sunset. But no, it was just kind of funny. But yeah, you know, it was um, it was a couple of years in the making. We knew obviously that we had to go through these contracts and, and discuss with the Venetian. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of pros and cons to the Venetian. Um, but we we asked them multiple times when we put out the RFP. They knew they reached out to us and just said, "Look, got a directive here. We got to explore all of our options." Um, the industry is telling us that the move to spring is going to be um, uh, much better overall. And they just said, we're not going to move you. Um, the reason why we were where we were at is because they really had no other business there. Um, and, and so it worked for them because of the cigar smoking. Um, and so I revisited it with them recently when we were talking about stuff um, as we were looking at the future. And they just said, you know, they're not willing to put us in a time when they have other events that are going on, even if they don't have a couple of halls filled just because of the cigar smoke. So I said, fair enough. Um, the convention center has been really good to us uh, in terms of working with this. We've got the center hall for 24, which is going to be really interesting. Um, and uh, they've given us a couple of extra halls because construction is going on. So it's going to be really cool because if you, uh, let's just say you're you know, staying across the street and you wanted to walk over to the convention center next year, you could light up as you're walking there, 
and you don't ever have to put your cigar out because as soon as you walk in, everything is ours. And so you don't ever have to put it out when you're going into registration or any of these other things that we're going to have built out for the show. So it's going to be really kind of cool and interesting. So, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because a lot of folks have reached out. I understand that there's some folks that might be a little upset because, you know, summer was maybe their slower time, but the, the vast majority of the industry, uh, summer is the busy time. And you look, you know, inventory turns, you're placing orders in July and, and, and then, you know, it turns around and then, um, you know, you're only getting, you know, shipments, you're only able to sell one or two times if, if that. So beginning of the year makes a lot more sense in terms of getting product and getting inventory turns and stuff. And, and so um, I, the first time, you know, even Steve Saka said this the first time it's going to probably be a little bit of a pinch to try to get everything together. Uh, but ultimately the, the, the end of Q1, or in Q1 or, or even, you know, early Q2 makes the most sense for the industry. Yeah. So, I, I, Scott, I, I didn't like the date. Personally, that's that's a personal thing. I don't think it would. But I think what I do give you guys credit is you listen to what your base was telling you here. And that's ultimately a lot more important than what I think. Um, I would like to have seen it in April. I think March was just too early in the year because of everything going on. But I think where you have to get credit, uh, the PCA has got to get credit. Because in the past, I don't think they've been... I think they've been accused of not being listening to the needs of a lot of people. And uh, this for overall, I think Aaron and I have seen a positive reaction to some, uh, especially on the retail end. I think we've seen it, especially on that end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, again, yeah, we kind of wanted to try to see about that sweet spot. And so, I mean, it's the end of March, you know, 2025, once we get everything finalized, we'll be a little bit um, uh, later than that. It will probably be early April um, yeah. when it kind of, we finalize all that. So, yeah. So, um, I think that's the time frame that that seems to be where the vast majority of the industry uh, feels like it's going to be best for business. Yep. So last year at the trade show, you were, again, very transparent. You, you were telling us there were options for 2023 and there was an option for going back to the Venetian at the same time. And then there was an option originally for New Orleans. Mm -hmm. But did this convention center thing kind of come up as another option that ultimately you guys were able to take? Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's basically what happened is that we were told by the convention center because of construction and some of the other things is that, um, they didn't have any space for us. And so, um, new Orleans obviously has space wanted us. Um, so that was kind of the path we were taking. And then the convention center said, Hey, look, we actually have this space opened up. You can take center hall. Um, and so when we looked at it, you know, I did not want to be three years in new Orleans. I, I did not think that that was the right way to go. I don't right. think the board and the board agreed so we had this chance to go back to Vegas in the spring. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we went back to, uh, and then looked at New Orleans for, for the same time frame for 25. Uh, 26, you know, is, is still kind of under consideration for a couple of different things that we're looking at. Uh, um, it, you know, I, to be very honest with you, it may be back in New Orleans. You know, we're exploring everything from like Dallas, Fort Worth, which could be interesting. Vegas now says that they might have something for us. Uh, probably wouldn't be the same home. Um, you know, again, um, we continue to look at South Florida, but the problem is that Tampa doesn't have the space. Miami is just, there's a lot of barriers with Miami right. uh, for a number of different reasons. And so um, that's what we're, that's what we're currently looking right. at right now in terms of that. So yeah, the, the convention center just uh, happened to have the space in, in a, in a timeframe that worked out for us. Is, you know, obviously you're looking at other cities. Is, is it because you think that is, is Vegas, is there an option that this would still stay in Vegas? longer term after 2024 or is it like now you really have to look at these other options just because of availability uh kind of both i i think what we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance basically what's best for the manufacturer 
in probably two facets. Number yeah. one, costs. If they can keep stuff, um, the shipping and everything else, and it's easier to plan and, and that kind of stuff in one location, it's a lot easier for them. At the same time, retail attendance or retail excitement, that was also beneficial for them. Right. And so we're trying to balance that. And then the last piece really ultimately is where has the space force that will allow us to smoke? And those are yeah. fast dwindling. So a lot of those decisions are kind of made for us. Um, so that's what we're trying to balance. I, I, I don't anticipate, I really don't see us ever being in a place to where we're going to um, bounce around every single year to a different city. I don't think so. I think that we'll probably ultimately end up in a place where we're in Vegas for a few years and maybe go to New Orleans again, or, you know, something like that. I think we'll fall right. into a pattern that's predictable long-term. It's better for us if we sign long-term contracts, quite frankly, because it, it's a more beneficial contract for us. Yeah. Signing one-year contracts is very difficult. And so, you know, so yeah, I, I do anticipate we'll probably set up to where we have, you know, eight, 10 years worth of contracts and everyone will know basically where we're going to be and we'll be consistent. New Orleans. So, you know, there's folks who have a bad taste of New Orleans going back to 2015 because th th we did have a trade show there. That's when the smoking ban put in place. Uh, I guess my question would be, why would that be a good option? Uh, because there, there was a lot of negatives that not that the convention floor was bad or anything like that, but it was mm -hmm. a logistically, you know, this, this it's more than the convention floor out there. Mm -hmm. It was hard to smoke when we were out there. Uh, now it was, it was summer, which even made it worse. We won't have the summer problem, but um, but they do have some pretty strict smoking bans in there. Um, is there any room to negotiate some things with now if they want us back? Yeah. So we went down and did a side visit down there in December and talked about that. And what's really interesting is that Caesars, which owns Harris there, has uh, invested about 300 somewhat million dollars so far into revitalizing a lot of that area that's down there. Um, but a couple of interesting things there, there is a location and we've, we kind of took the approach of the same type of thing that we would like do with like Hall C, how do we build out smoking experiences? And there are a couple of different options right near the hotels where we would be able to do that, um, that allow smoking, would allow for a lot of good interaction and keep people together. Um, one of which is it's very cheap in New Orleans, by the way, to uh, get a permit to, to wall off basically a city block. Oh, and so Yeah. So right behind the hotel, there's this really great area that's there um, with a lot of different restaurants and, and, yep. and kind of nightlife. But we could block that off. And that's kind of one of the things we're looking at is mm -hmm. can we block that off, put out a bunch of different tables and chairs and things like that to where we could smoke, people could get food from restaurants and do other things, but kind of have a centralized location where we can all just hang out on the streets and just smoke and have a good time. Are tents an option for that too? If it rains or anything, can you, can you guys mm -hmm. put up big tents? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that, yep. I know exactly the area you're talking about. So and uh, then there's a great place that's there called the sugar mill. I believe it's called the sugar mill. Maybe sugar we, plant. We, Davidoff, we had a Davidoff dinner. Davidoff. Yep. yep. So we met with the owner there. Yep. Uh, 4,000 people can fit there. It's indoor, outdoor. Yep. So there's a big indoor space where we could do stuff. Um, so we're kind of looking at doing something yeah. um, pretty similar to the PCA After Dark, but just with there that we would kind of sponsor yeah. and manage ourselves. Yeah, that was a fine look. We had the they had the, uh, the Golden Man Awards there that year, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember it, it actually worked well. So that's a good. I forgot yeah. about that option. Yeah. Yeah, and especially in in April when it's yeah. Yeah, a lot more mild, it'd be right. a, it'd be a much better time frame to, right. to to do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Scott, what's attendance like so far? I mean, you don't have to disclose an exact number. Where are we pace wise with attendance for this year's trade show? Yeah, so it's really um, very similar to 2019, 2018. Um, it, 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 it's following those patterns much more so than 2022. 2022 was it was kind of an aberration where we had this influx. And with that influx, it just sort of maintained an even pace. Up to 20, and historically, uh, what we see is that you kind of an even pace. And that last month, it kind of starts to shoot up. And we've started to see an increase 
and that. So we're pacing a little bit ahead of 2022 right now, a little bit ahead of 2019, uh, both in terms of accounts that have registered, but also a number of badges uh, right. total for retailers as well. What is different and where we are ahead, though, is in membership renewals. We have a we have more renewed right now than we have really ever. So that generally leads to more people because, again, as much as we're working to get people out of this mindset, but membership for most folks equates to attendance at the trade show. So we are tracking ahead um, by several weeks, quite frankly, and, and even some years by more than, than three to, to four weeks of membership renewals. So I do think that that's going to translate into some increased numbers. And so I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to get right around where we were at at 2018, 2019 numbers. Uh, we, were, we were just under that in 2022. So I do anticipate an increase okay. in attendance over 2022. Right, right. So that, that's some good news there. Is Do you think that the looming uh, March trade show next year, you think that could be having a little effect on maybe retailers who saying, oh, they have to look at their spending and are they going to be able to spend that close? Is, do you think that could affect anything? Is that something you just may have to bite the bullet on this year? Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely, I think it's far enough away in terms of the business cycle that I think, I don't know if it will impact that. I do think that, um, you know, because it's the last one in July and it's the last one of the Venetian, I do think there might be some folks. I think some of the other things that we're doing that you talked about, um, people are excited about too. Um, I also think, though, that after the last several years of kind of where the industry has been at versus now and kind of settling into a little bit more normalcy or what we've had uh, pre-pandemic, uh, I think people are kind of back in, in an understanding also a little bit more comfort level with coming to the show. Um, a lot of new accounts, too, coming this year. I mean, there's been a lot of new cigar stores that have opened up. We've been on the road quite a bit recently. And so there's quite a few new stores, I think, that are coming, too. So um, I, I don't I mean, we yeah, we have to bite the bullet in terms of March. I right. don't know if that's going to affect attendance too much, because I do think that you're you're getting through an entire yeah. summer into fall and the holidays of inventory turns yeah. coming back around to being able to order yeah. right at the right before the busy season hits. Yeah, Scott, you mentioned something just now, and I've heard this from several retailers. You, you guys have been on this road tour, and you have been visiting a lot of retailers to kind of, uh, get you know, get them on board with PCI. I think that's that's a very good thing, uh, investment in time and doing that, going right out to the retailers there. Yeah, yeah, that's actually it's it's been great. It's something we've been wanting to do for a while, yeah. and, and you know, last year you know was was a great financial year for PCA. Uh, in terms of stabilizing everything. And, and, and so um, knowing that's, you know, again, investing in, in bringing, you know, Lisa Sigler on board to focus on that, given the, her, her background in the industry. Um, and, and so look, she was a sales rep for, for cigar brands. And so she's very used to going and doing retail visits. She's very, very good at it. Um, and so I, again, you know, she, she's lovely. And so people I think would much rather talk to her than talk to me. So um <laughs> Uh, so she, she's fantastic. She's great. And then, you know, and then, all, and then being able to invest in bringing Antoine on as well. And so I think that um, the face-to-face is so important and we get to really get down and drill down into the issues they're facing, uh, answer any questions and hear their feedback. And it's, it's a much better way of getting feedback in my opinion than, I mean, surveys are important, but you know, if the face-to-face conversations and being able to talk to, you know, 15, 20 retailers in a week just is, is so much more beneficial. Yeah. I, um, I agree. I agree with that. And quite frankly, quite, I do think it's going. You know, our recent visit to Atlanta, I think, is going to ultimately help turn that into a tax cap for for Georgia as well. So I think that nice. um, it, it's, it's nice, all leading yeah. to some really good things. Yeah, I, I just was down in Atlanta a few weeks ago. Tons of cigar stores there. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get to any of them, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> that was with my wife. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, Aaron. Anything you have on the future trade shows before we kind of wrap up with Scott? No, it all sounds pretty exciting. So I'm kind of looking forward to how things progress. Yeah. So Scott, um, 
again, I want to thank you very much. Um, we know you're busy. We know uh, you had an event tonight, and it's an event that was important uh, for what you guys are doing politically. So it's very much appreciated that you gave us this time here. So thank you so much. Uh, there will be a media press conference, right? Yep, yep, same, yep, exactly the same one on Monday morning. Awesome. So yeah, well, I'll see you, but I'll see you probably before then, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and something new too as well for you, you know, that that will be important. We have four um, media pods that we've put on the show floor now. And so basically, um, when if you're walking from the Venetian into sort of the, where the registration is, uh-huh. on that left-hand side, if you're walking that direction, it's on the left, but there's a glass sort of like offices that you can sit in. Yep. That company is going to do, I think it's frosted glass, but there's going to be four four-person media rooms that you can go in to do interviews and to do things like that too. So, you know, if the show floor is too loud or you want a quiet space to be able to go have some more long form stuff or quiet space to go do stuff. We have four media rooms now that's on the show floor, kind of back near where the, um, the food court is. So that's something new as well for you. Thank you. By the way, thank you for that. That's a, I know it's a big ask we've had over the years. So this is, that's very much appreciated. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So uh, like I said, we, we, we really appreciate what you all do with the show and we know it's important. So we wanted to be able to continue to provide new ways for you all to be able to do what you do. Awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate that, Scott. And again, we really appreciate your time as well. Uh, Keep up the great work. Uh, I feel like we didn't beat you up too much tonight because it was mostly good news. So <laughs> I didn't have anything, but uh, it's good to do. We could have a talk like that. I mean, it just shows a long way how everything's come over the years. So I think it's some great work you guys are doing. So thanks for the support. We know everything's not perfect at times, but um, hey, you know, like I said, we're in a very good place. So uh, we appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you Coop and, and uh, your support for the industry. It's always fun coming on here and talking to yep. you and uh so uh, I, I wish I could say good luck to your Phillies, but uh, I, 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 I oh, hope they, they lose every they time they play the Nets. <laughs> they won five in a row. <laughs> so, <laughs> we almost, you almost took, we almost took last place from you guys. We almost did it. Man. Oh. It was like we, we tried as hard as possible to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Try harder. I yeah. know, I know. Uh, but uh, oh, I, oh, I'm going to ask you this last question here. Sure. So this is, I had this plan. If we were doing, how important, Scott, is the Ovechkin record that could be set? for the city of Washington in terms of records and sports, because that's a big record that's coming up for that goal scoring record. I think that I, I, I think it's more important than the caps winning to most fans at this point. I, I think that's what that was my impression of it too, at this point. But I, lo- I love the Carberry hire. I, I, you know, I love what Bruce uh, McClellan, the GM is doing there. Uh, Carberry is great. He's been through every, he's, he's coached every level of the caps organization. Um, and so I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic that they'll continue to be competitive while he's, he needs a competitive team around him. He's too yeah. old at this point to do it. I'm still amazed he's scoring as many goals as he is at his age. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I do think that right now the record is, is more important for folks, I think in that sense. And it's, it's such a, it's such a monumental record that I just think that fans are craving and the city's going to love it. Yeah. I was trying to look historically in Washington sports. I don't think there was another record that would be as big in, you know, it's hockey, but I, I was trying to think, I don't think the Redskins commanders have a record like that. So no. I was really, so uh, neither do the, the, the wizards. So I think this is a big thing. Uh, it's going to be great for ho- as much as Aaron hates hockey. This is a thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I don't hate hockey. I don't hate hockey. It's the best <laughs> you don't like hockey. Watch, it's, it's the best sport to watch in person. Oh, I agree. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to go. Let's get to, well, now maybe we can get some night hockey out there when, uh, there you go. When, uh, yeah, now we have some night hockey out there next year, maybe. So, oh, I'm definitely, yeah, I definitely <laughs> want to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Did they win tonight? Do you even know if they won? I, I haven't checked the score since I've been on here. It was tied okay. last time I saw it at one. Yeah. 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 It was okay. I think it was two one when I, uh, 
when I left, but uh, we'll, we'll, we won't hold you up to check the score. So, Scott, again, thank you so much. Um, again, and uh, we it's two, uh, it's two two actually, yep. uh, in overtime. So, uh, thanks yes. again. We will catch you next month. So, look yep. forward to it. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you both at the show, guys. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. All, All right, right Scott, up, take it. All right, that's take Scott it. Pierce, the executive director of the PCA. Um, and he was at a, uh, an event actually in Nashville. It was like a political event he was at tonight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he did take some time to do that. So we do appreciate that. Um, so Aaron, uh, uh thanks for, appreciate you joining as well. I know you had a busy yeah. day, so thanks a lot yeah. on that. Um, all right, let's, uh, I have a couple of things we'll do. Uh, so we're going to do, uh, we're going to do a few things kind of going forward with the show. Um, and, uh, what I decided to do is kind of do, do these with Aaron and I. And I want to get into our Tobacco or USA ties at buying question. This is going to be for you, Aaron. I put this one specifically for you. Oh, really? Uh, yep. Mm. Let's see if you can get it. Um, somewhat hard. Uh, sponsored by Tobacco USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. So, so Aaron, I got three brand owners here. Yeah. Actually, one's a duo. But, um, and... They have something in common besides okay. owning owning their company. Right, uh, right. All right. And here are the three. Carson and Tony Serino. Mm-hmm. Nelson Alfonso of Selected Tobacco. Right. And Phil Zengi of Debonair. <sighs> this one's tough. Uh, all their last names end with a vowel. That's a good one, actually. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I one. kind of will accept that. <laughs> uh, they're not all Italian. Uh, be, but not all beyond that, uh, this is tough. Um, so, so Phil Zengi owns, he owns Debonair, and he owns Indian Motorcycles Cigars. So, Okay. Um, is it, well... They all, I don't, I don't know. They don't all have like, they, they have multiple brands, but that, they all multiple know. brands. And there's something maybe with those multiple brands that there's a common thread with some of them. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, you want, want me to one's, one's out of Costa Rica, one's out of, Costa Rica. out of Dominican, Tony and Carson. Mostly Nicaragua, I think, but yep. they may have stuff mixed around. So I don't know yep. that that's right. Not in co- I don't think anything in common with country yep. or factory. Um, I'm not sure on this one. Okay, I'll reveal it. They all have Indian ties. Okay. Tiano. Gotcha. Tiano. Yeah, Tiano with Sereno. Yeah. Uh, Atabay. Yep. With selected tobacco yep. and Indian motorcycle. Indian motorcycle Indian tobacco with Phil Zengi. Yep. There you go. There all you right. Go. A little, a little harder one. I had a yeah, yeah. I, I had a I had a Washington one. Oh no, I had a trade show one that I'm going to use next week for our okay. show. Okay. I was going to do that one, Scott. But that's ne- right. I think it would have been that one would be that one's going to be a hard one next week. I can tell you that. Okay. Um. Uh, so um. But I'll give some hints on that next week. So so yeah, that was the tie. They all have Indian ties somehow in their brand with a brand. Okay. All right. Now the next one is our cattle bound steak question in the night. Um, and this is a question I have for you, Aaron. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Meatloaf. Yes or no? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes for me too. I'm a big meatloaf fan. I love it. 
it seems like it's a dish that often gets maligned. It's not on a lot of menus. Uh, yeah. And there's so many. I mean, I don't like every iteration of meatloaf. Right. But I like a good meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it came from like, you know, people that, you know, had maybe a, a, mo- a mother that like would create a very dry meatloaf or something like that. And it just was not really appealing to eat. But um, yeah, there's there's better iterations now nowadays. I love to make it, um, you know, and uh, you you could mix it up with what you're putting inside of it and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's great. Um, yeah. You can go you can go ground beef. You can go ground turkey. You can do yeah. you can do mix it up, whatever you yeah. want. Um, but yeah, it's I, I, I dig meatloaf. I dig it the second day. Yeah. When it's reheated, it's really right. good for me. Yeah. I, that's the way I, it gets a little crisper. Yeah. yeah. I, I like I like it the second day. Um, and I don't I don't really put a I don't put like a sauce over the top because I think it you just remember you used to like it would be like a like a tomato like a tomato sauce or like a ketchup sauce no, on the top. And I was no. like I, I don't care. I don't know that that's necessary. I agree with you hundred percent on that. The ketchup just is a total turnoff for me in general. Yeah. It's too sweet. Uh, I can live with a, a little light coat of tomato sauce, but but right. both I agree it's better without it. Yeah. Um, that took me a long time. With like, I never liked the ketchup. My wife did with the tomato sauce for a while, and then when she went to without the tomato sauce, I finally was one over with it. Yeah, yep. Uh, and I love the, I love like I said I love some raw onions in there. Um, yeah. I've seen it with egg. Yeah, uh, I, I'll usually put in the. It's a good binder for my, it. You my know? Uh, my wife's family. That's how they used to have the meatloaf with the egg yeah. in it. Uh, yeah, yep. it wasn't, yeah, and then you could play around with breadcrumbs or uh, like crushed up cornflakes if you want to yep. kind of mix in there. So that's kind of cool things. And yeah, uh, lots of times I'll put in um, uh, sun dried tomatoes, like chopped up pretty fine in there. It's pretty good. And then you can also mix in some feta cheese or something like that. So you kind of get a little bit of cheese inside of yep. it. It's yep. lots of awesome, yep, awesome combinations you can do with it. Yep. Uh, you can, like I said, you get very flavorful, and like I said, there's I, it, some of the iterations are really good. Like I said, I the second day, uh, the meatloaf on a hard roll for me is is uh, the way I would go. I just yeah. love it on a sandwich. So it's like, yep. but it, it was a thing about you don't get that on a lot of menus these days or anything like that. It seems like uh, I don't know. It seems like it's fallen out of favor in these days. Yeah, I think in uh, more of the like um, like singular restaurants that are kind of like. Um, do like like higher end fare sometimes you'll you'll see that like where they're you know they take a lot of those like old style comfort foods where they kind of created it in a little bit of a fancier fashion yeah like, I'll, I'll see it every once in a while in a place like that so yeah it's always interesting yeah and then much like um Sokka did with the meatballs when you put really good meat in it it's really yep. good is what i'll oh, say yeah yep. so uh, i mean it actually started like i remember i, I heard about it in new york it was very much a depression era dish that they right. made yeah um but over the years, you know, obviously it's changed, and some of these higher cuts of meat in there are really good. So, yep. Um, but yeah, the good old meat meat mo fare. So good to hear we agree on that one. Yeah, I didn't know how you would react on that. <laughs> All right. So, um, we have we're going to get into our Espinosa today in sports history for June eighth, sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, uh, makers of award winning brands Espinosa. 601 and the knuckle sandwich brand smoke espinosa smoke espinosa every day so i put two questions in tonight Aaron. all right i had one in there for i was gonna put in there for scott but scott did have to go i didn't want to i wanted to make sure we got the pca stuff and be sensitive to his time 
So, but I wanted to put this first question in here. I want to see if you can get this one. Okay. So, June 8th, 1955. Yes. All right. The Dodgers option pitcher, Tommy Lasorda. It's the same Tommy Lasorda to Montreal, which was that farm team, iconic farm team, by the way, in Montreal, in baseball history, to make room for on the roster for Hall of Famer who had been on the injured list earlier this year. Um, Who was that Hall of Famer? Uh, see, this is far, kind of far back for me in regards to my knowledge on the rosters at that point. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pull a picture here because that's that's too early for, or for Koufax and Drysdale. So those would be, you know, the more famous guys that are older on the for the Dodgers. But I don't know that far back. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pull up the name. It was Koufax. Was it Koufax? It was Koufax, yeah. I thought Koufax was in the like early to mid six, more early to mid sixties. He hit his stride in the early sixties, but it was Koufax. Uh, oh wow! To okay. the baseball. Uh, I thought that was before Koufax. All right. Yeah. Uh, he played. Uh, he played twelve seasons for the Dodgers from fifty-five to sixty-six, and like I said, he really hit that peak in this in the last half of his career. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have his like I said. He didn't have as long a career. As you would think, he wasn't a three thousand strikeout guy, uh, right? You know, so he really didn't have that. But uh, but he won the Cy Youngs. Uh, he won his Cy Youngs last year, mm-hmm. which is an uh, interest. He won it in 63, 60, 65, and sixty six, right? So uh, yeah, and he uh, won the NL MVP in sixty three. That was a okay. great Dodger team. So yeah, that I knew that won't be a little tougher for you, but I wanted to okay. see if you, you can get it. it. Worked out. All right, now this one I think you might get. Okay. Today. In 2000, like, yeah, June 8th, 2010, this Washington Nationals pitcher made his major league debut. Is it Strasburg? It's Strasburg, yeah. All right, got it. Yep. So. What, what, what a shame for that guy, man. Oh, his, man, I was his, thinking. His body just completely failed him. He he should have been like, yeah, we should have been talking about him. I You know, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer by any means now. I think he's. No. Uh, Yeah. But he was he was a first he was a first overall pick, I believe, too. Yeah, like he was the he was the like he was one of the first guys I remember that was like that like just touted as this cannot miss prospect, right? Like you knew like everybody said like as soon as he comes up, this guy's gonna be lights out, and he pretty much was, I think, for, right from the beginning. So yeah. He uh, he definitely was. He never did he he never won a Cy Young Award. I don't think. Either. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he put everything, every last thing he had into that World Series run, and then that was pretty much it. And then he had the thoracic outlet syndrome uh, surgeries, and he's just he's got nerve damage now, and so he just can't get past it. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, he uh, the the unique stat with him, it's not really a big deal, but uh, he actually has a Silver Slugger award for pitchers. Mm, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure what his batting average was in that, but yeah, he's a. Unique that he has that. So, uh, right. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, like I said, he never, like I said, I think that World Series, after that World Series, uh, um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what his future is right now either. It's, uh, it's definitely up in the air. Yeah. I think he's, I, I don't think there's any chance that I, I just saw like maybe a couple of days ago, they said that like he, everything is shut down for him. He's got, ner- he's got nerve damage that they don't know if they can correct. So, He's got thoriatic outlet syndrome, which is a yeah. related is a nerve related condition, which is yep. bad. And he's yep. thirty four, so yep. uh, it, it is definitely a, a shame on that. But yeah, he did make his debut, and it just seems like it was yesterday too. It's thirteen years ago. Um, yep. But yeah, that's uh, 
That's unfortunate. But yeah, it was ever since the World. I mean, right after that World Series, he started the year on the DL, IL, I guess now you call it, and um, never really been off of it much since. Yeah. Yep. So that's uh, yeah, a shame. But uh, yeah, he made his debut. All right. So let's get into. Uh, we'll do a, uh, some sponsor breaks, and then you and I will do the live true together tonight. So okay. All right. So uh, of course we want to mention Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars, Cuba was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Of course, it was one of those challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasar Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Hunas and Husto bring their very own brand to market, and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela, and each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And, of course, we want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take uh, pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Dumbarton Tobacco Trust, Drew Estate, and Agonorsa Leaf. They have the best selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar Company was ordered at top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company in the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars, including the newest one that's opened up in Sarasota. And you can see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And finally, I want to mention uh, our friends at Cavalier Cigars again. Smoke Gold and Stay Gold. Join the inner circle. Follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. And on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobaccos and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded by cigar lovers everywhere. And they're highly uh, rated by the cigar industry press. You want to follow them again on their Instagram page because they do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold and Stay Gold. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. 500 cigars are set a fire in this country every minute. A staggering statistic. Wait, that's a good thing. All those folks relaxing with a fine cigar. The trouble is, a lot of those cigars aren't worth remembering. They're just plain forgettable. That's why you'll pick up an Alec Bradley cigar and you'll taste that baby and say, Mm-mm, I'll remember you, Alec Bradley. You can learn more at alecbradley.com. So we're going to, Aaron and I are going to do the Live True segment. Aaron, I don't think we, I, I put some new questions in. I put a couple old ones in. I don't think you and I, te- we tend to ask the guests this a lot. So right. this will be one that you and I will go through. And there's some new questions I put in for tonight. But I'm going to start off with a couple that are ones that we've asked. And I've never asked you this. Okay. But what's a pet you'd want to own besides a dog or cat? Um, I don't know. Um. Hmm. For me, it all comes down to like how, how much 
time I don't want to spend taking care of it. So, yeah. and how much of an annoyance they are. So I don't want a bird or anything like that. Um, you know what? Fish. I, I go with fish. That was mine. Tropical yeah. fish. <laughs> Tropical Not salt fish. water. I, I don't have time for that much work. Freshwater fish. Yeah. Yeah. Probably freshwater would be better in that case. Yeah. I agree. If somebody I mean, else is doing the tank, they can do the salt. <laughs> I yeah, don't want to do that. Uh, my father's brother has had his tropical fish tank. I'm not kidding. The same tank for 50 years. Wow. Now he doesn't have the same fish, but I, sure. that, he has that same tank. I remember it's like a kid. He's, and I was over his house last year and, and like it's, and he had tropical fish salt. Uh, he had the saltwater fish. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a pain. It's beautiful to look at, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a lot I mean, of work. Otherwise my answer would be a plant or something like that. <laughs> yeah. that or a pet rock. I mean, right. Right. So I probably would go, it would not be anything else. Um, I can assure you that, uh, we did. Uh, we've done sea monkeys at the house. Uh, my my kids have you know killed the sea monkeys every time, but uh, but we have done the sea monkeys. Uh, they're they're they work. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So this one I'm going to ask: Did you or how did you play hooky from school? I didn't really play hooky from school. Yeah. Um. It. I don't know. I I. I was I was a good kid. In school. I didn't leave. Really, have a need to leave school it was fine for me so I, I didn't really play hooky so i did okay um and the way you did it was so let me just tell you where i went to school so you'd understand i went to school in a neighborhood a high school i had moved out of brooklyn to staten island i was in an area of staten island my high school was in an area called saint george which is where the old staten island yankees used to play but it's where right. the ferry is to new york okay um, manhattan so it was like you know a lot of times we'd spend an afternoon in manhattan yeah, you want to get an early start. So the way you do it is if you had a substitute. Yeah, you cut the class. And what they right. did, is they had these cards, right? That they basically a card. It was a layout of the of the classroom, and they would turn the card over if you were absent, and then they'd submit that to the administration office, and they'd send you an absentee card home, right? Yeah. And your parents had to sign it. I had a dad who luckily would cover for me on that. <laughs> nice. Okay, so. The the only his only stipulation was you your grades can't suffer. Yeah, but it was always with a substitute a lot of time. And for some reason, it lets me the last two years. I had a lot of teachers that would bail on that last class or the last two classes of the afternoon. Right. So, but he always did cover for me with that. Uh, my yeah. mom found out years later he was doing that for me. Right. Uh, so he would get he would get the notice. Um, and because uh, I don't know how my mom never got the notice. I, I don't know how yeah. she, but my dad would always intercept it. Mm -hmm. Um. So he got it and, and I never got in trouble for it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, um, a lot probably cause he was a lot of times he worked more nights with the limo company at the time. Yeah. So that was probably how he got it. So, uh, with that. So, yep. So I, I did play lots of hooky. Yeah. For, I, I had a lot of free time at school cause I, I took a uh, choir, uh, all three years and, um, it was an interesting setup cause in my school we had, uh, two, two different lunches cause they wanted to split up the number of kids that was out at lunch into two groups. Um, so what would happen is the first lunch would happen and then there'd be a 10 minute piece in the middle when everyone's in class. And then the second lunch would be after that. Well, the way we did it in choir was all the, all the girls would be in for like the first session. And then all the guys would go in for the second session. There would be that 10 minute overlap. But a lot of times my choir teacher had other things that he wanted to do. So sometimes what we would do is we would, he would just say, we're not going to do anything today or, you know, this entire week or whatever it is. So we'd all go to the first lunch for that 10 minute gap. We'd go in, we'd take our own role and then we'd go to lunch the second half. So we'd have, I had like this, like 
almost like two hour break in the day a lot of times and things like that. So it was it was our way to just kind of do whatever we need to do as long as we were in that in the classroom for like uh, the auditorium for like the 10 minute gap. Right. We were, we were good to go. So and it, super cool choir teacher. Awesome guy. Um, so, yeah, it kind of it's had a lot of flexibility. And that was the, all, all three years of high school for me. So. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. we learned something new. Aaron Loomis was in the choir in high school. I was, yes. I never knew I was, that. So. I was, I was the bass. Oh, nice, nice. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, all right. A vacation type or vacation spot where someone couldn't pay you enough money to go to. Um, this is people are probably not gonna like me for saying this because I think a lot of people have said that they want to go there, but I have zero interest in going to India. Like I don't have any spiritual reason to go. I don't have any culinary reason to go. Anything like that. I just—it's not a place that, that interests me one bit. I don't want to deal with the travel there. I don't want to deal with the food. I don't want to deal with uh, how hectic it is there. Any of that stuff. I'm just—I'm okay just without it. So that would be the place that I have zero interest in going. Interesting. So mine's a vacation type, and I did it okay. once with my wife, and it wasn't me. And I, this is very unpopular. I never want to take another cruise again. Oh, okay. I just did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy being on the boat. Um, it was nothing to me. It was, uh, I do get a little seasick sometimes, and uh, but that, that wasn't really the issue. It just, I to me, give me a spacious resort um, any day of the week over a cruise ship. It's a pain to get on and off the boat. I thought the cruise buffet, um, some people say some lines are better than us. I was unimpressed with the midnight buffet and everything like that. Yeah. We just, it, we just did not have a good time with it. Um, you know, give me Casa de Campo any day of the week uh, in the Dominican. Yeah. Uh, probably going to cost you just, but, uh, a little more, but I would just do, yeah, cruise, I want nothing to do with it. I don't care if it was a cigar smoking cruise, I wouldn't go on it. Yeah, I've never been on a cruise, um, and it just seems like you're confining yourself for no reason like yeah yeah you know if something happens like like you know you hear the things about like where the whole boat gets sick from like some like yeah. bacterial outbreak or something like i would just rather be somewhere where i can bail if i need to bail kind of a thing so yep uh i i i totally agree with you on that um just getting to a cruise like you have to deal with going to a port getting into the cruise was this before 9-11 when i went yeah. it was a pain in that i just I did not enjoy it. Getting off the boat was a pain in the neck. It was just not fun. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I won't be taking any more cruises. So, all right. All right. Text message, instant message, or email? Um, I kind of like instant messaging. Um, it's a little more, it's, it's like quick responses. Um, I'm okay with email for longer stuff, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be good with IM for, you know, quick, quick stuff and want to get like a timely, you know, something timely done. Yeah. I'm still, I think I am has a, has a advantage and disadvantage. It's unfortunately anyone can reach you with I am, but with my situation, I do have two phones. Uh, so if someone, uh, wants to get hold of me and I'm working on the road and sometimes I'm with the other phone, uh, I can get the, I am much easier. Right. So, and sometimes you may say, why did it take eight hours for you to get back to a text message? It's like, well, I had my business phone with me and it's, you know, I'm, you know, there's only one, there's only so many phones I can look at. So, right. so I'll say usually the IM is the most, I mean, I don't have a problem contacting me either way, 
Uh, unfortunately, like sometimes I get people I don't know who contact me on IM, but it's, you know, I have to kind of control that a bit, but I yeah. think in general, the IM has worked well for me. Uh, plus we get, I mean, those endless group chats just, uh, <laughs> right. as long as you turn notifications off, it's, I am great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> exactly. All right. This is a sports one. Will we ever see a pitcher win 25 games again, given the current rules in major league baseball? I think it would be really tough to see that happen. And I think part, I think a majority of that is uh, due to the fact that the pitchers don't go very deep into the games anymore. You're like, yeah. you're getting like five or six innings and then you're going to the bullpen. And like, yep. you don't have a lot of teams that have like lights out bullpens that, you know, that can roll out there every night when they, when they need to. Um, so I think it would be really, I mean, even seeing a 20, you know, the 20 game winners are going to be super rare, but 25 that's, you need a guy that's just super efficient. You know, you need a, you need a, that Greg Maddox type where it's like, you're not trying to strike out everybody because that's going to run, yeah. run the pitch count up, but you need a guy that can like just induce soft contact and stuff like that. So I don't know that there's, you know, that seems like, seems like they're pushing these guys that are like, you know, throwing 105 miles an hour now. It's just like, I don't know if that's going to work out. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I think Welsh was the last guy to win 27. Over mm-hmm. twenty five, I'm thinking. I that's the only time I remember that happening. Like watching baseball. Yeah. Um. But I took it for granted. Like when Gidry won twenty five and seventy eight, that was a big deal. But uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, I don't know when we'll see another twenty game winner. Yeah, that'd be um, tough. It's gonna be very hard now because of the way everything's so specialized with the pitching rules now. Yeah. You have seventh inning pitches, eighth inning. But yeah. So. Uh, um, I thought maybe it would change a bit with um, the DH uh, in the NL, but so far I haven't really seen a difference with it. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, that, I, to me, that would only hurt it because um, you have a tougher lineup to go against yeah. on the pitching side. So, you know, if the in a, if the NL still had the pitcher hitting, you know, that's a little bit easier of a lineup to get through, but it, st- it still doesn't work out. I don't think. Yep. 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 All right. Here's an interesting question. Who controls the thermostat in your house? Uh, my wife does. Okay. So I'm going to give the honest um, answer here yeah, when you go, but go ahead. Yeah, That's I mean, I like, I like to have the windows open uh, when it's not like extremely hot, you know, cause I like the breeze and all that stuff, but my wife has allergies. So I don't, I get overruled. You know, I, Obviously, if I want to have the windows open, then I'm having a miserable wife, and that's not going to be a good time for anybody. So um, <laughs> windows get closed. So even if it's a nice, like even if it's like a 72 degree day with a bit of a breeze, like the house still gets warm if it's all closed up. So the air conditioner ends up coming on because it needs to cool the house down. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, we're oh, we're wasting all this electricity and spending money on the air conditioner running and stuff like that when we could just open the windows. But then the allergies things overrules everything. So yeah. So for many years, I controlled the thermostat, mm-hmm. bring it to Antarctica. You know, it was me. <laughs> right. Um, when we, when we replaced the heating and air conditioning in the house a few years ago, um, like the studio has its own unit. So I, I have the control over that, but yeah. my wife did something that like relinquished control. She got one of those smart thermostats. Oh, uh, okay. It is so freaking hard to use. <laughs> That basically I've relinquished control. I, I, right. I, I cannot figure out how to use this thing. I'm like, it is complicated. I mean, it is not. I look at all these dials and buttons. I'm like, so she kind of got control of it back as a result of that. Yeah. Um, I will say they work well because uh, it will crank heat and air conditioning. You know, especially in North Carolina, there are days yeah. you can actually need both. 
Um, but I cannot figure it out. So she got control back of it because of that. Yep. Yep. All right. A holiday you'd like to see go away. Hmm. A holiday. I like a lot of holidays. Um, I do too. So, but I mean, like, eh, maybe I'd say like, um, it's, I don't know. That it, and it's not because of what it represents. It's just because of what it's turned into. Um, I think maybe just get rid of Cinco de Mayo in regards to like, it seems like it's been an appropriated holiday for not, you know, non, non Mexicans. Um, so uh, I'm not saying, you know, do away with, you know, what it represents, but do away with the ridiculous, uh, you know, the ridiculous hubbub about what happens around it. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Actually, I could vote for that one as well. And then the, the whole March 4th thing. Made it, that's not even a holiday. Uh, my answer, my answer is, and I'm gonna is is um, Festivus. It's not a holiday. <laughs> All right, that's, that's an easy way out. Fest, I mean, look, it is not a holiday. We got Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to follow. We don't need Festivus for a Seinfeld holiday on top. Right. Of that. I'm sure Bear will agree with me on that one because he's not a Seinfeld fan. So yeah, uh, but yeah, get rid of Festivus. That's not a real holiday. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, I'll give you a, actually a real one. Um, I know this may seem kind of silly. I'm not New Year's Day is kind of like a dumb holiday. <laughs> it's like uh really New Year's Eve's a holiday in my opinion. Yeah, I can I can see Yeah, I kind of see like I mean I guess New Year's Day is just everybody's messed up. Everyone's messed up. Every, it's 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 kind of a depressing day because you go back to work the next day a lot of times yeah. or back to school. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I just like I, I think New Year's Eve is the more celebratory thing all the time. Uh yeah. So I, I can live without new, having off New Year's Day other than because I don't go out the night before much anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And um, July 4th should be two days. It should be the 4th and the 5th. I, I agree. Because I, like. I agree. Yes, you're gonna, you're barbecuing and stuff during the day, obviously. But then if you're going to drink all day, plus the fireworks, you can't do it till dark. Right. And uh, in, in July, it's not dark until 9 p.m., yeah. at least where I live. So it's like a late night if you want to have the kid, like my daughter's eight. So if you want to have the kid up late to see the fireworks, um, so you, you, you need that recovery day after. So at July yeah. 4th should be a two-day holiday. Yeah, I agree. And it, um, when we used to, like in New York, the day after uh, 4th of July, there's so many fireworks in New York for both like the uh, yeah. the ones in the water to the fire department ones to the personal ones. It's like, it looks like, looks like a war zone the next day with the smoke yep. you talk about that's the one day you always see this big haze in new york is july 5th so uh yeah now uh nothing like we see now but yeah that yeah i agree that should be a and especially if it's a four-day weekend you know make it you know you yep. make it a four-day weekend if it's july 4th on a saturday make friday and monday off you know like this, this year perfect example it's a tuesday right so i'm gonna go to work monday I'm gonna have Tuesday off for Fourth of July. I'm gonna go to work Wednesday, and then I'm gonna fly to Vegas for the PCA. So it's I'm gonna like... I'm gonna be in Vegas on the Fourth of July this year. So I'm okay. kind of curious to see what it's gonna be like. Um, yeah. I've never been in the foot, but I'll be there that night. I'll be getting in probably like around six. It'll be before the fireworks. So. Right. Nice. Um. Yep. So. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what that's gonna be like. Um. I'll say I'm maybe going to see the Bellagio fountains or something that night if they have there it. You go. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, all right, I guess I'll ask you this question now. What's the title for your reality show, Aaron? Um, hmm. 
maybe something like the ridiculous mind of Aaron or something like that. <laughs> like I think of things in weird ways and um, I kind of like internalize it. I use my internal voice most of the time. Cause I would, if I did it right. outside, I would probably get in trouble a lot of times. So the things I think about in certain situations that like what I'm saying about people or situation inside versus what I say outside is 180 degrees most of the time. So, yeah. uh, or yeah. So or what is he thinking or something like that? That would be, I think the, the title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go with me as a rumor free teaser for a bit. Uh, I was thinking of going with half century. All right. Cause now I'm lived a half century. So there now it's go. kind of yeah. like re- representative of the point of my life I'm in right now. Right. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Nice. But like, I mean, yeah, but that's a good one for you. Actually, that's was a good one. I like that. <laughs> All right. So we got one more segment tonight. But let's first do a few commercial reads. Um, first, we'll do uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Holt, J.C. Newman's like premium hand, premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the all-American cigar, the American. The J.C. Newman Penta Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Pelo de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, and Julius Caesar, as well as Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco Lord A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. The Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try their latest release, the Sangre Nueva, as well as the Casa Cuevas and Cuevas uh, Reserva lines. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our house, our casa to yours. And finally, we're going to get into our industry talk deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Turkey Traka and number one cigar of the year in 2022 with the Mi Carita Black Saka Khan. Visit DT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands at Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right. So, Aaron, originally I was going to, with Scott, I was going to cover some of the you know, advocacy stuff, but I, I, sure. I put that aside. Um, and I opted not to do any PCA talk. We're going to have a whole show next week on that. Right. So I kind of just picked out some random topics uh, at the last minute here. We'll see how this goes. I have four things to talk about here. All right. All so right. the first one is, this year it seems like the big year of the anniversary cigars. Mm. Um, and this is not all PCA specific, but uh, Black Label Trading Companies announced their 10th anniversary cigar. Right. Magna's got a 15th anniversary cigar. Pete's got some stuff coming out for the, uh, the 20th anniversary of Tatawahe. I believe my father may be doing the same thing. Uh, David of Nicaragua came out with their 10th anniversary yeah. cigar. So a few questions I have here, but this is the first question. First of all, do these cigars excite you? 
Or did I get um, with them? I, I'm. I get excited at first, and then I remember that I've smoked a lot of anniversary cigars that I've not been impressed with. So I, then I'm like, Ugh. but I still go into it. I, please, I just like, please deliver, please deliver a, a, a heightened experience for this anniversary release. But so I'm, I'm, yes, I'm excited and also not excited at the same time. Yeah. I've gotten disappointed by too many of these, um, you know, of the ones I read and, and it, no, I think Pete, I'm kind of interested to see what he does. Um, but, Black Label, I'm really intrigued by this release. Mm -hmm. He's going back to Connecticut Broadleaf. He hasn't really done a Connecticut Broadleaf release in a while. Uh, you know, that's his roots, Medora. I'm, I, I am really intrigued what James is doing with this cigar. Right. Um, so that's the one I'm like, I, I think, hey, that's the one I definitely want to get my hands on and smoke when it uh, comes out. So right. um, that that's the one. Um. The Davin of Nicaragua, I, I had a feeling they were going to do a 10-year anniversary cigar this year. Mm -hmm. um, it, I don't know how excited I can get about it. You, you've kind of, I think, you've worn me, you kind of wore on me with these barrel-aged things over the years. Um, and, and a lot of times, they don't always deliver. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. Do we need another bar rum barrel-aged cigar with a Davidoff? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I got to give it a fair shot, right? But I'm getting yeah. tired of it, I guess. I guess I, I'm okay with it if it like if it's not the like the um the driving like factor for how they're kind of marketing the cigar like you know this is barrel aged you know that's what you should experience kind of thing if they're just using that as kind of like an enhancement in the blend or whatever I'm okay with that if I don't detect it it's not a big deal to me but if you're like pounded in into me like this is barrel aged barrel aged barrel aged and like you're getting like I I'm barely getting any of that and then that, that's sort of disappointment lies so you know I I, I will smoke it I want to see what it's like but i'm not gonna, i don't think i'm gonna go into it with the expectation that i'm gonna get the you know the barrel aged component as the you know the the primary flavor profile you know when i do visit the factories it does get you more excited about some of the barrel age i gotta be honest with you when you, they open up those barrels um so perdomo does it with with some of their lines um yeah but i think it's more of it's they're not pushing the whole barrel age you know i think they're using the technique but it's not so much they're trying to you know, part rum rum flavors into it or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, when Bear and I saw them do it with the uh, the whiskey barrels at Davidoff, that was amazing. Though, just smelling that tobacco. I mean, it right. was it was very, uh, and it kind of got me a little more excited about the late hour cigar afterwards. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree with you for the most part. Um, that I have a similar reaction to you. Now, I see a lot of times anniversary cigars. Some company will like companies like my father. They put out a one and done anniversary. Right. And then there's other companies um, that will basically put out an anniversary cigar and it's part of their portfolio forever. Right? Perdomo's done that. 1502 right. did it last year. Which do you think it should be? Uh, I'm okay with either way. Um, because, uh, you know, if you want to just make it this one time thing, it's a one time celebration, I'm okay with that. But if you want to, if you know, if you can create something that you can create long term, um, I'm okay with that as well. So I don't really have a stance in regards to to that. I don't feel like it needs to be a limited um, to celebrate an anniversary. So yeah, you, I, you, you can. Uh, sorry, I, okay. interrupt you, but you can always kind of see it as a point in time for the for the company, right? So if you have, uh, you know, get, you get to a tenth anniversary or something like that, and then you create a blend and it turns into a core line or whatever, 
And then as time goes on, if you're going to, if you're going to like maybe continue that series where you go and you get to the 20th and you have something like that, and that's going to be a core line as well. It kind of shows you maybe a bit of a progression for the, for the company. And that's something that you can kind of compare long-term if they're still making that 10 year blend at the same time, then they make that 20 year blend kind of a thing. Yeah, I look at it like, and I kind of agree with you, but I, I've always leaned more towards the core one, right? Because I'm like, well, if Perdomo's putting out a 10 and a 20, now that they have a 30 coming out, you know, they're, they're putting a lot into it, right? To celebrate yeah. the anniversary. It, it's a shame that we'll just have a short life. Um, and if it's something that they're really putting in, they can get a great result from it. I'm all in favor of it, right? Yeah. Um, but then I look at guys like Mo, what he what he did with uh, Patina's five-year. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I really want to see what he did with this. Like, I, I actually want right. to smoke this cigar. So, I mean, I tend, to, but you know, I've had some, I've had some dud anniversary cigars so many years. Oh yeah, I would agree with you. Um, uh, I mean, you know, and and you and you go all over the map in regards to you know how they're priced and things like that. So you have like the the my father that came out this year. It's forty dollars, and then you have something like the the topper that comes out, and it's like twelve fifty. Yeah. So, and you know the toppers are celebrating 125 years, which is a crazy milestone. So yeah, you know, big difference. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. I thought, like I said, I loved the limited. Talk about limited. I mean, you know, I love that my father, 100 años. Uh, yeah. That cigar, to me, has just been. Uh, that's a cigar I need to find a way to bring back. Yeah. Um, yeah. but they tend not to bring their limiteds back. My father, they've pretty much kept to that. Uh, pretty strict. So. But you know, Padron kind of when they add an anniversary, it's it's part of the portfolio over the years. So, um, you know, like I said, I've seen, but I've seen some companies just check a box for an anniversary cigar, and uh, I mean, and we we all know what those cigars are. Uh, I get, I know once the one of the biggest disappointments I ever had with an anniversary cigar was the Avo Twenty Fifth. It was mm. terrible. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, it was a terrible cigar. <laughs> just I, there's no way to sugarcoat it. <laughs> I have a few of them in my humidor, like ten years old. I don't even want to smoke them. <laughs> I bought a box of those things. Yeah. Was, that's like we talked about box worthiness last year. There's right. one I shouldn't have done that, right? <laughs> yeah. Does the industry rely on these too much? Um. See, I think it's tough now because I think, um, you know, I think it was they they were fewer and far between before, right? Yeah. I, you know. Uh, and but now it's more a lot more frequent and the, a, i think part of that is that there's a lot more newer brands that are reaching these you know five or ten year marks so you're seeing a, a lot of those right um but um maybe there was a different mindset years back that if you were creating an anniversary scar it really needed to be unique and special and things like that yeah and maybe that's fallen off a bit and it's like it's just an opportunity for me to put something else out that you know, to keep the name out there and things like that. And it's not as focused as some being something that's unique or special. And then, and as we know, you know, you in the current market, a lot of whatever you come out with can sell. So, you know, you don't need to put in um, extra time or whatever effort to, to make something different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's one company that just doesn't do anniversary cigars. You know, which one it is a big company. Um, who general SCG? They don't do a lot mm. of those. I mean, they didn't do a Macanudo 50th, uh, they didn't do anything with Cohiba had its uh, okay, 55th. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they tend not to do that. 
they've okay. they've shied away from that. Well, um, that's because that that Matt Booth is Room One Hundred One has the every year anniversary cigar. Well, so and I'm they've, they've... <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. Well, does he have the fourteenth coming out this year? That's right. almost, I would assume he does. I'm, well, no, we'll know soon enough. Uh, he, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, that's the um. Matt Booth is the only one I think. You know, maybe, but yeah, I just. They don't do a lot of them. Um, they haven't yeah. like when Tarano came in. They didn't even do a hundredth anniversary one for Tarano, and that was when Tarano was still being promoted by them. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you have La Aurora that does it every every milestone, one hundred and fifteen. Yeah. One hundred seven. Yeah. So so they do it all. They they just announced that one twenty. So yeah. It's, right. Uh, so yeah, they it's, they go the opposite way. Um. And they've done some anniversary scars La Aurora that just got released a pro cigar as well. <laughs> yeah. They did like a Fernando Leon hundredth anniversary US yet only one right. they didn't release it out massively. So they do everything. All right. Let's turn away for now. Next question. We, I talked about this a little with Scott, but I want to kind of um get our thoughts on this. Chaz Palmateri cigar. Something mm-hmm. to get excited about. I'm excited about it because I love the movie and I love him right. as an actor and, and what he does. Um, I don't know how involved he's going to be and what this brand is going to look like. So I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, you know, we've seen this kind of a style yeah. happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. It comes and it goes. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, obviously I want to smoke the scar, see what it looks like. Um, you know, Dean at Epic makes some great cigars. Um, so I want to see, you know, what is this cigar and kind of get a feel for it. Um, it seemed like it was, um, it's being set as like a brand so that like maybe there will be other releases after this one. That's so what I kind of got that impression. Yeah. But we'll see how this first one goes and kind of go from there. But um, I, I have a sentimental reason to want to like it. So I, I'm in until... I smoke it and then I'll decide kind of from there and see how if Chaz is, you know, kind of behind the brand and promotes it and sticks with it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. Now the cigar is $20. I've been told. Okay. Um, so it's not a cheap cigar. Right. Um, now when the press week came out last Friday, I managed to message with Dean because I was confused if that cigar was being made in New York or not. Mm. It was not, it's not being made in New York. Right. Uh, the, I guess the store is somehow hooked up nose Chaz and they were involved with the development of it. But See, they, 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 they've had a Bronx tale like bundles already. I thought they did. I thought yes. they did. Yeah. They were, bar- I think they were barber poles. Um, they might those, have a different, couple different Vitolas. So they those have barber the poles, I've had them by the way. They, they, they're unbelievable. Yeah. So I think that, I think that shop has the, had the relationship with Chaz and then oh. maybe, and then they, they kind of, the, yeah. the shop and Dean got together and then they worked out how that all was going to happen. I think they used to supply those barber poles and I don't think they were called a Bronx tail at the time uh-huh. to uh, the cigar club. I was a member of in New York city. Okay. And uh, they were fantastic cigars. I mean, mm-hmm. they really were. They, they incredible. I mean, they, they used to be $16, but that's because they were buying them, you know, wholesale and selling them again at this other store. Yeah. Uh, because the place in the Bronx was tough to get to. Right. So right. they were, they were really good. But I thought this was going to be a, a, but it's not a New York cigar. They're making it at the fact Charles Fairmore. Charles Fairmore. Okay. Dean makes epic. Right. So, and actually, I was like, "That's a good thing." Dean's done well. I prefer that than than AJ, like where he did his tenth anniversary. I, so. I think, he, yeah. Look, nothing against. I think he should have made that cigar. You talk about anniversaries because that cigar should have been made yeah. at the factory that got you there. Right. Um. And I didn't. I didn't really love the cigar. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the you know Dean's done very well out of that factory. So um, he's got a good relationship. I mean, it's really him and Kristoff are making the cigars out of that factory. Yep. yep. So yeah, I, that's so. The question is, how special is this cigar going to be coming out of that factory? I've never had a twenty dollars cigar out of the Charles Fairmont factory, so um, right. I don't know how it's going to be. And and it's hit or some of the stuff's been hit or miss on that too with me. But Dean's stuff, I think, has been pretty good that he's done there. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, the the core epic lines. Uh, I still enjoy those. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. I had a few conversations with folks on this one. Next topic: <laughs> El Septimo is starting a cigar institute. <laughs> yeah. General thoughts on this one, Aaron. Um, uh, I'm skeptical. Um, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, 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 even to back in this university, I'm not that big of a fan of. I'm not a big fan the, of the whole either. concept. Like, um, so I'm I, not a fan I, of certification. I, I'm not a fan of certification. I, I think they have I, good I work in the IT field, right? Yeah, certifications are are somewhat of a big deal. Yeah. But when I got into IT, um, especially Microsoft certifications, um, were a bit of a joke because you could just read the books yeah. and pass the test and have it actually zero hands-on experience. And you and then companies would hire you because you had these certifications, and then the people on your team would laugh at you because you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. Right. So I'm a Tobacco University, I think you could just go through the books and you can do it and you're done. You get the certification. You know, this seems like it's, you know, it's an in-person class or maybe over, over Zoom or something like that. I would think it's in-person because they want you to be smoking cigars and stuff like that. But it's a week course. Like, what are you certified in in a week? CPR, maybe. But that's like, what else are you going to be certified in? Like, Who that. says they're accredited to certify anyone? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, it's like, if it's a way for them to market the brand and to get retailers in their door to, to sell them like a timeshare, great. If that's a perfect marketing tool for you all, and you're just kind of disguising it as a certification process, perfect. I just don't, there's no, I don't see any tangible thing that someone's going to walk away from this in a week. That's going to make them, you know, sure, they're going to learn stuff, I'm sure. But I don't think it's going to be anything that's groundbreaking or that's um, life-changing for them in the in the tobacco world. Oh, right, I got two thoughts on this. So I I am not one to fault any company that's trying to educate its customers. Right. I, I will say there should be no fault in that. But there's two problems I have with this. Number one is when you start trying to promote this as we are changing the industry, you know, like this is you know, it's stop. Just stop because it's been done before. Yeah. There are there are programs I can tell you like La Aurora has done stuff. Uh, even when you go on a Perdomo trip, there's kind of things like that. Um, education's been done before. You aren't the first one to do it. Okay. Right. The second thing is okay. They say the law, the El Septimo executives are doing the training. Who are these executives, and what are they? <laughs> what do they know? What do they know? Now maybe <laughs> there's some of the sales reps. Okay. This, right. There's some good sales reps they've hired. All right. Yeah. But again, I wouldn't put that in the hands of like you go sit in a, a seminar with like uh, Manuel and Noah. That's someone who's been like, believe me, that's an education you're going to get. Right. Right. I just can't like I don't know where you guys have become. I, I would have had more respect if they partnered with someone to do this. Right. I mean, right. it's just, 
Um, but I, I have a tough time faulting anyone to try to educate their customer. My answer is I want to see and hear more about this. Um, right. I'm really curious um, to see um, what they'll do. And I think, you know, before I bash it, I just I just don't like but the part I don't like is saying that you've you're like changing the industry. It's been done for many years. Um I will even tell you that um SOC has gone into retailers and, and maybe not had a formal program, but educated them how to sell the product and everything. Right. So, yeah. I mean, is this like you're gonna educate to, like people who have a tobacco store, are you educating them how to cut and light a cigar? I mean, that's just kind of a little overkill there. Right. Yeah. So um yeah, that's that's uh but I just like I said, I, I just can't see who's doing this it goes back to if you're going to credential someone you got to have someone who's accredited to do it yeah it's the same problem i had with tobacconist university it's a guy out of princeton who does it um, i will say the content that he has in there is very good i never went mm -hmm. balls for i didn't even need to get a certification right. but the tobacconist university content i will say is very good it's easy to digest it is good content i don't yeah. know how up to date they keep it either uh is the other thing right all right, last question. McAuliffe Black is launching. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be McAuliffe's breakthrough cigar, you think? that The, the hit they're looking for, um, it's an interesting blend in terms of it's bolder, it's priced well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I have some I have some questions about the cigar. Well, obviously, I had to smoke it so they know what it's about. Right. But yes, definitely a lower price point. So... Um, which and I think it's kind of a departure from their previous stuff, right? It's right. the, um, you know, high, a little bit higher pricing for everything else, right? So this is a lower price point. I do not like the name at all. I think it's just too generic for a brand, especially with everything else they've come out with previously. Um, everything else kind of has a kind of a interesting name and an interesting story, and then you, you know, at this point in the company's tenure now it's like it's just come to down back to the basics like black which is how like um you know if you take uh like west tampa as a startup company where it's just going starting out with the colors i can understand for a startup company so um yeah so obviously if the if cigar if the cigar is great and it's at that price point yeah it can be a big winner um maybe it's something that gets people into the brand that maybe um hadn't smoked it before Maybe the price was at, kind of out of their range or not where they wanted to be for something they were trying, you know, for the first time. So if this is what kind of gets people in, um, then that would be fantastic. So I'm very interested in smoking and kind of seeing what it's all about. Yeah. So I've talked to Dan on this for a while. Um, this is a project they've had in the books. I mean, for as long as I know Dan, uh, the black name was what they were going to give it. Um, and so it was way before West Tampa. But I think another thing they were trying to do from talking to Dan is they had a lot of cigar names that had tough names to pronunciate or remember sure. leenda riado yep. right uh experience so i think they were going for something a little simpler with that so i kind of get it i i do like the packaging they did on that a lot um i think that they may the it's going to be interesting to see if a full and bolder cigar could become that big hit cigar and i needed to see how strong i haven't smoked the cigar so i don't know how strong it yeah. is uh, but I think it's a, a good move that they're making this year in a market that, you know, a lot of people are releasing. Like we just talked about Chaz Mahalma Terry $20 cigar. Right. Um, so and I do know that they seem like they really put a lot of effort into this brand. So uh, I do want to smoke it. I'm excited to smoke. I probably won't smoke it till after the trade show at this point. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm finishing up a bunch of reviews that um, are just pre-trade show. So this will probably be something I, I explore after the trade show and I want to mm-hmm. explore it. Uh, I may pick up a couple when I'm down and I'm going to be down in uh, Abe's place on the 24th. So maybe I'll just, I know he's got some squirreled away, so I'll, I'll get some. So um, even if he sells out, I thought it was an interesting move. They went with two big retailers, uh, Garofalo and uh, Abe. Yeah. Uh, and they both have kind of done some promotion with their uh, audiences and stuff. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes at the trade show too. But I think, I think McCallop did need a cigar in this price point. And they definitely needed a bolder cigar, not, not, mm. you know, I know they had bold, but they needed something yeah. like this, a fuller cigar. So I thought it was an interesting move with that. I'm, 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 I'm excited to smoke it. Yeah. I mean, it, um, with the, with the price that's kind of trending upward, it's, you know, it's nice to see a, a cigar that's in this price range. So, um, it's, you know, anything when you're lower priced, it's an easy try for people yeah. yep. and, uh, not saying that they will, but if they don't have a great experience, it's easy to come back to just give it a second shot yeah. that you're not spending 20 bucks at a time saying like, I'm not spending another 20 bucks on this, but sub $10, you're like, you know, if you, if you, if you're questionable on it, you're like, all right, I'll, yeah. you know, I, I'll smoke another one and see and get, see what I thought. Yep. Yeah. And, and the feedback I've heard has been positive, which is good. And I've heard it from now a few non-Macallop fans. I think the ambassador community is obviously going to get behind that because they're very supportive of their brand. Right. But when I hear a few people who aren't Macallop smokers saying, this is really good, um, that's a good sign. Uh, mm-hmm. People I trust. So um, I think that's a very good sign for them. So, uh, and I think it's good that they they got to jump on everyone with all the trade show cigars coming out. So they got to yeah. jump on everybody with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for tonight, Aaron. Anything else that we didn't hit? No, I think that's good. Yep. Um, oh, so programming notes. Next week, we're going to have our panel show. Uh, so we'll be doing all the talk, uh, all the breakdown of, of the trade show. And uh, so we'll have a lot of discussion with that. Uh, we do have the uh, we're starting to build the lineups for our virtual trade shows, uh, which are going to be the following two weeks. Um, and judging from the response we've gotten this year, I think we have a really good lineup of people. Um, I, I just don't want to. In case someone has to bail, I don't want to see yeah. someone coming or not. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes they may, they may have to substitute. But we have some good, we have some legitimate names coming on this year, I thought. Yeah. Um, which is really good for us. Um, we still, most, the second week is just about filled. And we're starting to fill up, getting close uh, on the um, first week. Now, I'm not going to say spots are going fast. They've actually slowed <laughs> down, okay? I'm being honest with you. They're not, they yeah. were going fast a couple of days ago. They've slowed down a bit, so we still have some slots open. I'll be reaching out to some more folks. Uh, a couple of folks are still attentive. So, so yeah, this is, but but yeah, so we're getting there. So I think I'm, I, I'm excited about that lineup this year with that. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, And then that's it, man. Nice. All right. Uh, so that's going to re- thanks again to Scott Pierce, by the way. Um, yes. it, it, I know it was a busy night for him and he gave us more time um, originally. So do appreciate that. But that's going to wrap up primetime episode 271 into the annals of history for Thursday, June 8th. Now, Friday, June 9th on the East Coast. We will see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys.